The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host, and this is the Week 11 Sunday Recap Show. We are hurtling into the holiday season and starting to get some uh, some semblance, some shape, some under- clarity. some clarity. Thank you, Ryan Wilson. John Breach, would you like to use your thesaurus and provide us another word for what we're starting to get about the NFL season? Princeton, I don't own a Oh, you couldn't Google clarity fast enough. That's depressing. <laughs> What's up, I just fellas? admit I don't, I don't use it to sort. I saw you. your eyes darted down, and you started trying to type, like, synonyms. I, I tried. You caught me. <laughs> That's why you have to watch the YouTube version so that you can see us be right. caught red-handed. It's embarrassing. But you know what? I have a Christmas tree behind me, so I'm good. Speaking of red-handed, God, yeah, I, my, I, got, I need some, like, I look like I'm. Visine. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really. If you're watching the YouTube show, it's not like I've been hanging out at Hey Dashbury. I'm really just just exhausted. Princeton looks yeah. like he just finished a four night bender in Vegas with the Carr brothers. Oh yeah, well, let's get to it, shall we? Um, so we start, of course, with the Sunday night football game, as we do every week. And what a thrilling game it was. 35-31. The Chiefs emerged victorious. They moved to 9-1. and one. The Raiders fall to 6-4. and four. Kansas City likely wrapping up the AFC West with this victory, which, and here's a, here's a shocking statistic for you. That was, according to uh, Adam uh, T- uh, Teacher, Teacher? I don't know how to pronounce his last name. But it was the first ever go-ahead Touchdown pass by Patrick Mahomes in, in two minutes or less in his career. How is that possible? I find that very hard. How did the Super Bowl? <laughs> I don't end? know. Yeah, maybe it's regular season. I don't know. Damian Williams scored the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. I think the- maybe they just get down to the one and they always run it in. I don't know. Anyway, uh, Mahomes, Derek Carr. Or they Carr, blow everyone out. Yeah. Derek Carr marched the Raiders down the field for a go-ahead touchdown but left a minute and 43 seconds on the clock. And yeah, no, you leave Patrick Mahomes that much time. He's probably going to march down to the other side of the field. He's going to score. And they did it easily. Patrick Kelsey was wide open, like crazy wide open. Mahomes he was finished Darren Waller wide open. Yeah. A lot of bad defense in this game. Mahomes finished 34, 45 for 348 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Clyde Edwards Elair had 14 carries for 69 yards and two touchdowns. Travis Kelsey, eight catches, 127 yards and a score, while Tyree Kill had 11 catches for 102 yards and a score. This is an offensive, you know, it was a, it was a score fest. Um, I got to tell you. scoring that Le'Veon Bell actually scored a touchdown for the first time this year. For either team, the Jets or the Chiefs. I got to tell you, though, what the Chiefs did was sort of unsurprising and very Chiefs-like. The story for me in this game is how well Derek Carr has played this year and how well he played on Sunday night and how badly I'm probably going to get roasted with a bunch of receipts that his... Right. This is the receipt sign if you're yeah. watching on YouTube. 
So Darren, I don't know why Darren Carr and Josina Anderson are having a Twitter conversation about why Josina thinks that Derek Carr is great. Whatever. Either way, Darren said, I've got the receipts. So he's got a big old file of receipts for when that he's going to shove and I don't know, like he's going to start up like a hundred percent chance. He's printed out every single one of Brinson's tweets that Brinson's ever had about Derek Carr. I mean, that's a given, right? Is he going to like, yeah. is he going to start like a car takes exposed Twitter account? Like what's going to happen here? He's going to release one or two tweets every day from you for the next four years. <laughs> and then when Derek Carr wins the MVP of the Super Bowl in each Super Bowl for the next four years, uh, he's going to, the, the whole car family is going to get the last laugh. I, I'm pretty adamant about not deleting old tweet. Like I'll delete. I mean, like if, you know, if it's something I said that I don't think I, I've never really had to delete a bunch of old tweets. Um, if there's something I can tell you one, you deleted. Whatever, get out of here. Uh, <laughs> if um, if like if I you know I, I I try not to delete old tweets like unless I have to and for whatever different reasons. But um, I, there's definitely a really bad draft tweet about Derek Carr out there, and I'm sure there's a lot of bad tweets about Derek Carr out there in general. Uh, but the thing is, in when you when you cover the NFL, when you analyze football or any sport, you have to be willing to adjust your analysis. I was dead set on the idea that John Gruden coming back wasn't going to work. And I've said repeatedly on this podcast that I was dead wrong on that. John Gruden is a really good coach. He's been a fantastic play caller. They have to figure out some things with defense. I don't know if they have necessarily all the right talent in place to be a true Super Bowl contender. But I think more than anything, like now several years into John Gruden's system, and Al Michaels and Chris Collins were talked about this on Sunday night, Derek Carr was willing to be completely rebuilt by John Gruden and the results are the dividends are tremendous. He looks awesome. He's making smart decisions. He's throwing the ball down the field. His teammates didn't help him out a whole bunch and there were a ton of drops. He was pretty close to perfect on, on Sunday night and it still wasn't enough because that's just life in Patrick Mahomes division. They scored 40 points when these teams met in week five, they scored 31 points on Sunday night in a really close game that came down to Patrick Mahomes winning at the end. I do wonder, like, it does seem like the cars are super sensitive, but it's one thing, like, maybe they don't care about the draft takes because everyone has stupid draft takes at one time or another. But I would imagine, like, at some point, I would start holding grudges if, like, okay, you accuse me of crying on the field. It looked like he was crying. I don't really think he was crying. I think they're mad that people call Derek Carr a checkdown artist. I don't see that, well, but- I mean, it, it, this is what happens, though, is that the Raiders will, will play bad for a couple seasons, then have one great season. Then everybody's like, oh, you were so wrong about Derek Carr. Like the prior seasons never happened. I mean, this team went four and 12 two years ago. They went seven and nine last year. This isn't like Derek Carr has been on the cusp of winning the MVP award every year since he's been drafted in 2014. He maybe has one season in there. Uh, where he was a viable MVP candidate. But other than that, he hasn't proven, you know, like the Raiders haven't won a playoff game. It's not like they're out there even regular making the postseason. So I think your criticism is fair. But as you're saying, it's also fair to say that he's looks like a completely different quarterback this year. I mean, he looks fantastic. And you know what the crazy thing is, is if these two teams were to meet in the wild card round, which is completely, you know, the Raiders get the seventh seed, the Chiefs get the second seed, completely plausible. I'm not, 100% convinced the Chiefs would win. That's how close these Raiders Chiefs games have been this year. Raiders 2 right now, against the spread so far. Obviously, they right come. now the Chiefs are number two and the, and the Raiders are number seven. So that's entirely plausible. Uh, the Raiders have coming up on their schedule the Falcons on 11 29. Is this today the 22nd? That sounds right. 
Sure. Sure. Um, the Falcons, the Jets, Colts, Chargers, Dolphins, and Broncos. One tough game. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think the Chargers will give them problems, and the Broncos are a little... The, Chief, the thing is, if the, if the Raiders had found a way to win that game, the Chiefs' schedule would have set up as such where the Raiders would have a chance to win the division. Yeah, yeah. It would have been really spicy. Uh, as, as it sits, though, I think with the Falcons... The Falcon. We'll get to them in a minute. The Jets. We'll get to them in a minute. I mean, they, those teams aren't very good. Uh, the Dolphins. We'll get to the Dolphins in a minute too. I'm not going to say anything <laughs> about the Dolphins. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think if the Raiders lost, if the Raiders went three and three down the stretch, would that be disappointing? And would they get in the playoffs? I don't know if three and three is getting it. That's nine and seven. And so we've been talking about that. That's why I didn't last week we talked about the Patriots getting the playoffs. And I, I just don't think nine and seven is getting in in the AFC because of you look at there's already six teams that have seven wins. So best case scenario, nine and seven is getting that seven slot. But I, I, I think even that slot is going to take 10 wins because you have the Dolphins, Ravens and Raiders at, at seven, eight, nine with six wins. But if you get to 10 wins, you feel comfortable you're in the playoffs, yeah, right? That's right. OK, so, I mean, I, the Raiders will be favored in uh, probably five of those six games. Right, I think so. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they they should probably go four and two. They're playing well. And, you know, when you look at their losses, they have the Chiefs. They, they got blown out by the Buccaneers. One one score loss to the Bills. And uh, got blown out by the Patriots. Like, they're not, no really embarrassing losses for this team. So, yeah. We'll and, and that Dolphins game will be huge because they already have a win over the Browns. So, if you have wins over the Browns and Dolphins – Two teams right neck and neck with you, boom. Yeah. You know, th- then you're in the tiebreaker advantages. So, one more question on Derek Carr. This ha- I was well, I was just in a chat, uh, like a, a Twitter group chat, and um, with Derek Carr's family. Yeah, and the question was thrown out: was like, where would you rank Derek Carr in terms of quarterbacks this year? Just tw- not like taking him for the long haul, but just like just in terms of 2020. He is top ten in value per play. Oh, for sure. I, I, As a starting point. Yes. I think the answer is like six. Like, who are you He's taking? Ab- pro- who are you taking above him? Mahomes, obviously. Russell, obviously. Aaron Rodgers, obviously. Justin Herbert? Yes. Probably. Um, Ryan, here's my question for you. Ben Roethlisberger? Yeah, so I would have to, I have to visualize Derek Carr in the Steelers' offense and – the reason the Steelers' offense is so good is because Roethlisberger, who couldn't beat anyone in the foot race, even people with no legs, is that he just gets the ball out quickly. <laughs> and I don't know if Derek Carr is equipped to do that in that type of offense. Like, he does really well. So that's a tough question. But I think on some random team, maybe maybe Derek Carr, it, it'd be close, 51-49. If, if you flipped Kyler Murray and Derek Carr, Kyler Murray's way better, right? I'm taking Derek Carr over Kyler Murray right now. Okay. Oh, okay. I would take – I would – I think Derek Carr's been a better quarterback than Kyler Murray, but I think Kyler Murray's been. I but I would prefer Kyler Murray if that makes sense. Well, look at it this way: like the, what about Josh what? Allen? Josh Allen. I would take Josh Allen, but it's close. It's very close. Yeah, he's played great. There's what no about Br- Tom Brady or Derek Carr? Just for yeah. just for how they played this year. Yeah, I mean that's close. I think Tom Brady I think, hasn't blown my hair back. Tom Brady's had some really high moments, some really low moments. Same with Josh Allen. I'm probably winning Derek Carr on that one. I might be. Too. And the Tom Brady argument. It's pretty crazy. So, write those down as receipts, Darren. Yeah, Me Darren, and- come subscribe to the podcast, Darren. David. 
I, that's what I wanted to tweet when that meme of like Derek Carr like like staring out. I wanted to tweet like, I'm going to be so friggin' high on my brother's power rankings this week. Oh, I was like, high on what? Yeah, uh, like on life. Brinson, we're going to lose like uh, 50 Raiders fan subscribers who hate listening to the podcast for all your <laughs> Derek Carr insults. Yeah. Now they're not there anymore. They're just like, we're done. We uh, are, we, are we worried about the Chiefs defense? No, I say it every week. There, there aren't very many good teams, and the good defenses aren't. I mean, the good defenses this year aren't great, and I think they are playing better this year than they did last year, by and large. They got hot at the right time. At this, at this time, that's probably well, at this time of the year, that's probably right. And one thing I'll say real quick that we talked about how the 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 Saints are a bad matchup for the Buccaneers. Well, the Chiefs have only given up more than twenty points twice this season both against the Raiders. So as long as they can avoid the Raiders, I think their defense looks okay. It just seems like John Gruden gets that offense in a role. He knows how to attack the Chiefs defense. And so uh, Kansas City struggles with that. So as long as they stay away from uh, Vegas, I think they'll be okay. Well, and the Raiders have a really good offensive line. That Like that, I'm not, uh, I didn't want to bring that up and talk about Derek Carr because you don't want to take away from him, but that helps. I mean, having a great offensive line is really important. So, you know. I'll also say this. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is the runaway MVP, and he's played some of the most boring football we've seen for Patrick Mahomes. Like, he's not even getting your attention, really. Like, uh, okay, I get it. Oh, he only has two is interceptions. He's the runaway yeah. MVP? He has two interceptions, both against the Raiders. Nine and one. And he makes it look so – like, every everyone else is, like, gritting and grinding to be the MVP, and he's, like, out there doing the moonwalk, like, you know, breakdancing, <laughs> having a good old time, drinking a Slurpee. Like if we took a poll on Twitter, how many people do you think would say yes? If you said, do you think Patrick Mahomes is a score touchdown on that last drive? Like everyone would say yes. It'd be a hundred percent, right? Like no one thought the chiefs weren't scoring. Once again, it was, it was effortless. It wasn't like he was even trying. Uh, So Mahomes at William Hill has moved from, he was two to one last week. We advised people. I believe we advised people all throughout the week, like bet on Mahomes. If you you want to bet on MVP race, bet on it right now. Uh, He is minus one fifteen. I don't even mind taking him at that value. Yeah, who's going to beat him? So the other candidates to potentially catch him are Russell Wilson at three to one, Aaron Rodgers four and a half to one, Kyler Murray fifteen to one, Big Ben eighteen to one. Now I think if Kyler and the Cardinals won the NFC West, there would be a case to be made. I think people will want to push for Russell Wilson if the Seahawks win the MVP. But my if, two favorite bets are Patrick Mahomes and Ben Roethlisberger in terms of value. I would agree with that. Big Ben, Big Ben's never had a vote either. He can get a sympathy vote. What right. I was saying before I got sidetracked with Patrick Mahomes, this Chiefs team offensively isn't even, they haven't hit their stride yet. Like there was a game against the Bills where they ran the ball 46 times. There was a, a game, the game after that, they had to rely on the defense and the special teams. So once they start doing what they're doing full time, forget about it. The Raiders had to play two perfect games, one, one and barely lost the other. Yeah. I, I don't even, I mean, I don't disagree. I, <laughs> they're really good. All right. Uh, we go to that game. I think so. Right. Mm-hmm. Andy Reid off, off the bye. bye. Andy, Andy Reid off the bye. bye. Okay, now we're done. Okay, good job. Good call, Breach. Let's move along. To 19 a, and 3. I don't know if you said that. He's 19 three off the bye. 19 three off the bye. Let's move along to the uh, after America's game of the week of the year of the century. Troy Buck and Troy, uh, <laughs> Troy and Joe Buck were in Indianapolis, a place I haven't visited in such a long time. I miss Indianapolis. It's been, year, yeah. it's, it's been years <laughs> now. Uh, Colts 34, Packers 31 in overtime. Yeah, my Colts emerge victorious over Pete's Packers. And uh, Colts covered, of course, barely. 
But they won by three points in overtime on a Rodrigo Blankenship field goal. To um, I I don't uh, I feel like that could be a Super Bowl matchup. I don't think that that's crazy. Oh, these two guys got you. I, I was trying. To, I thought you meant the winner of the Colts. I was trying to figure who they're going to play. Uh, no, like I think. I don't know. Here's the thing: the Colts are really good, and when Philip Rivers is playing at a B level or better, that takes the pressure off that oh, defense. I know what I was going to ask. Yeah, uh, I don't want to take like a like a victory lap or anything, but, or pat myself on the back. But I mean, I feel like at least an apology from you guys could be warranted for uh, the manner in which you disrespected Philip Rivers and his level of play before the season and at times during the season. Who would you rather have, Philip Rivers? Playing on this team or Derek Carr? I mean, do you, Derek Carr's been better this year. He's, he's also just young. I didn't know if you, you'd be willing to see that. Yes, I apologize. That doesn't sound like an apology, Ryan. Yeah. I just said I apologize. How do you apologize? Uh, well, you not use the word apology in the by apology? By saying another quarterback's better? You don't You don't passively, aggressively rip the quarterback through. I picked the Colts to go to the AFC title game. I thought they were going to be good this year. I, this, I don't, wait, these, AFC, these title game you predictions know, don't, don't need to be brought up every again. You oh, you got to bring him up every single week, Brent. Yeah, you know, I picked the Packers. I was all, I've been on Philip Rivers bandwagon since 2001 when he was at NC State and no one else was he at NC State in 2001? Yeah. Yeah. Well done. Um here is a fun fact for you though. Packers coach Matt LaFleur has only lost since he's coached Green Bay. The Packers have only lost two games to AFC teams. Philip Rivers was the quarterback in both games. That is crazy. Last year, hey, the Chargers. Fun fact. Here's another crazy fact. Do you know how um, the Packers lost the ball in overtime? Mm. Marcos Valdez Scantling fumbled it. Now, do you think Will Fuller would have fumbled that ball? <laughs> <laughs> fun fact. Did you know that Marcos Valdez Scantling went to NC State? Um, he also got, he tweeted that he got death threats from people over that fumble. I cannot stress this enough. If you tweet a death threat or a go die or kill yourself, Anything like that to a, to an athlete over the outcome of a game or the way that they played, you're a subhuman, and you don't deserve to have social media. You don't really deserve to have oxygen, to be perfectly frank. Don't do that. If you've ever done it, like we've all done stupid things, and I get it. But if you're listening, if you're young, like if you're a young person listening to this, and you're if you've ever considered doing that, or you like get angry and you d- don't do it. It is ter- terrible. It is a horrible human thing to do. Additionally, he doesn't even get to drop it if he doesn't make an incredible catch at midfield to get him to overtime in the first place. Valdez Scantling was good in this game. What is and wrong with tweet this? mean things, tweet something like, I hope your toilet clogs up tonight. You know, something like that is mean-spirited, but you're not wishing ill on anyone. That's you can actually, still be mean. It's okay. Right. It's Twitter. Everybody expects everyone to be mean. And that's something it's, that Marquez Valdez Scantling could actually read and probably laugh at yeah. just because it's not – trying to wish I think that would boost his spirits to be perfectly frank uh yeah that that catch by Marcus Valdez Scantling to uh, I think it was fourth down right uh it was third down third long from their own inside their own 10 or whatever it was a fantastic throw but you you can't let Aaron Rodgers do that you had him pinned dead to rights and at that point you thought it was gonna be like a Patrick Mahomes situation where the game was over but um well you know and Rodgers uh, got down there and actually spiked the ball with like 50 seconds left unnecessarily, and they lost it down because of that. Like he should have run was, a play. That, that was a hate spike. 
directed towards Matt LaFleur just because Matt LaFleur would call something else. And he's like, yeah, I'm just going to spike it. I get I mean, if he hadn't spiked it, they would have run a play and they would have had plenty of time left and they wouldn't have gotten to a situation. They would have had an extra down instead of having to kick it on fourth and three. Uh, a couple of thoughts from this game. One, Jonathan Taylor finally played well for the first time in a few weeks, 22 carries, 90 yards. That's a big deal if you yeah. think if you think the Colts can be an impact team because they need to have a feature running back. Like I, I, I think Rivers has played really well this year, but he can't carry this team to a Super Bowl or any sort of playoff run just with just him. Although, I mean, again, like he's played really well. I just think they need to have that running game. To, it, that foundation helps Rivers play much better. Uh, two, what a hot, hot mess the Colts were trying to close that game out. I yeah, it, I didn't see it, but I heard there were a ton of penalties. There must have been nine penalties on 11 plays. A lot of holding penalties. And and it was insane because all they had to do, you know, they're up 31 to 28, and they, they could not get out of their own way to keep the clock running. Uh, it was just, and the thing was, the team was so well coached and the offense was such a well-oiled machine for the first uh, 57 minutes of the game. They were going up and down the field. They were scoring at will, even though they were getting field goals instead of touchdowns, but they really weren't having many issues moving the ball on the Packers defense. And then all of a sudden it was just like this total mental meltdown and they couldn't run out the clock. It was just, it was insane. So they, they had a uh, green Bay went for it on fourth and one at Indy's 34. And didn't get it. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, at that point, Indianapolis took over. Rivers hits Marcus Johnson for 14 yards. Uh, Taylor runs up the middle. It's defensive offside. So that, like, first, there were a bunch of Green Bay penalties. Then there was another too many men on the field. So that's 10 free yards. Like the 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 Colts didn't have to run a play, and they got two. Like they got a free first down out of it. Um, then Jonathan Taylor runs uh, runs up the middle, holding. Jonathan Taylor right side, holding. Jonathan Taylor, Jordan Wilkins at the middle. Illegal motion. Rivers uh, on third and 19. Rivers completes a pass to Wilkins for 15 yards. They go for it on fourth down. He converts it to Naheem Hines. So they got first down. Green Bay's takes his first timeout. So like at that at that third and 19, Green Bay's used no timeouts. No clock is no clock has been burned. There's multiple uh, hold, like holding calls. They have gone from uh, there. They've gone from Green. Where, where, where they were at Green Bay's. 40 42 and they've gone all the way back to their own 49 so they're down at green base 23 they run taylor holding rivers incomplete so the clock stops taylor right side uh they run taylor again holding toward they run jordan wilkins i mean like they run jordan wilkins green bay timeout number two rivers sacked uh fumbled christian kirksey takes it the other way that's overturned and then they finally just they punt the ball. Rodgers goes incomplete, incomplete, and then deep ball to Marcus Valdez Scaling. It was watching it live. It felt like my TV was glitching, <laughs> and that it was just running the same play over and over again with just flag, flag, flag. And it was it was it was bad to watch. So that's a little bit of a concern, I guess, because that felt a little chargery. Yeah, yeah and, and I mean, they kept throwing the ball. Yeah, like close the game out, man. Like what is wrong with you people? But they, well, they got the win. They beat it, one of the best teams in the NFL, and they're seven and three. I mean, so again, those are things you can. Those are not easy fixes, but it's not like you have to fix to the right side of your offensive line, and, and your defense can't cover anyone. Of all the predictions, my boldish predictions that I made, huh? Um, I think Colts. Not that I think the Colts are like the favorite to win the Super Bowl or anything like that, 
but I feel like I feel pretty, yeah, you know, like the Lions thing looks idiotic. Um, well, it does the Colts? But like, I feel like I I called the Colts correctly. Like, I don't think a lot of people thought the Colts would be good, and I feel I feel like I correctly. Well, I think for the same reasons that no one knew about the Steelers, the quarterback. That's the sure. huge question mark, and you know, Phil was played better than I thought he would. I'll give him that. Sorry, sorry once again, Phil. It's okay. Um, Devontae Adams is the best receiver in football. That's something I wanted to note, and. The last two years of wide receivers that have been drafted, holy cow. Yeah, Pittman's great. I mean, Michael Pittman's a stud. Like, these two groups are just... Now, who did the Packers draft again? <laughs> Aaron Jones. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, did they take Pittman at the top of the second round? Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's the Jets pick. The Jets Maybe. Because they had two second round picks. They got Taylor and they got Pittman. Was it the Jets pick? No, it was, it was Washington's pick from the, uh, from the uh, Dwayne Haskins trade-up. Yeesh. Indeed. Also, um, the Colts defense totally legit. They totally shut down Aaron Jones, and they, you know, the Packers had to put this game on Aaron Rodgers' shoulders. And obviously, he came through for the most part. And also, like, what in the heck happened? The were the Packers footballs covered in Crisco because it wasn't just fought as Scantling with the fumble. They had three lost fumbles, which was just crazy to see because they're usually so good with their ball security, and all of a sudden they're just losing fumbles left and right. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers actually had a pretty bad interception, which he typically doesn't do uh, as well. But again, that's that wasn't the reason they lost. Uh, well, and finally, we're gonna move on from this game uh, a little bit longer. We wanted to in this particular game, but it was an important game. You had um, to talk about Philip. I had to talk about Philip. Make you apologize, right? Uh, I think I might start betting the Colts' second half. Uh, noted, Troy and Joe noted in this game, and something I hadn't thought about, but. Uh, Matt Eberfluss has done a really good job adjusting at halftime. The last two games, I mean, they came out shut down the Titans uh, in the second half. The Titans and the Packers scored twenty eight points in the first half. They sh- they shut down the Packers completely in the second half. So that I think that's something to watch f- moving forward because that's a huge deal. If you have a defensive if you have a defensive coordinator who can make massive adjustments and lock down the other team's offense in the second half, that's yep. that's a big big deal. Matt Eberfluss will probably be getting some interviews this offseason, I would guess, based on his team's defensive performance. Okay. Saints and Falcons. Saints 24, Falcons 9. The Saints covered easily. And, of course, we have to start by asking, what did you think about Taysom Hill, Ryan? At first, he started off slowly. And I was like, oh, boy, how bad must Jameis have been at practice last week that they're willing to roll out this guy? Tim Tebow 2.0, but he started playing better and you know, he got better as the game went on. He made some throws down the field. Um, Manny Sanders didn't help him with that stupid drop that luckily was not overturned because he was down. Um, and he, you know, he, the throw was actually terrible. Now I think about it. It was like an arm punt. Manny Sanders came back. That was the worst like pass attempt you'll ever see. He finished 18 to 23, 233 yards, 10 carries, 51 yards, two rushing touchdowns. But I thought, I actually thought that, when they announced Taysom Hill as the starter, I thought Taysom Hill would play one series. They bring Jameis in. It was just to be annoying <laughs> for the Falcons game planning efforts. Nope. They left Taysom in there and maybe, maybe they game plan for Jameis and they still wasted time. The Falcons did. Um, but the Falcons are a mess. They're struggling to score points. Um, Matt Ryan took a beating. And I think if we see anything close to what we saw last year with Teddy Bridgewater in terms of Taysom Hill and or Jameis filling in for Drew Brees, this is the best team in the NFC. The best? The best. Who do I stutter? I don't think it's close. Yeah, why? what are you questioning? They swept the Bucks. 
The Seahawks don't have a defense unless they're suddenly coming around. And so they lost to the Packers. Yeah. But well, I would, I would, Packers are in the NFC. There's only one undefeated team, numbnuts. But I would suggest that what we've seen from the Saints the last two weeks and is maybe the most, one of the most important developments in the NFL is that this, uh, this defense might be good. Defense Again, is good. Because the defense has been bad. And this has been the case. I, I, I think we sort of discussed this as a thing to look for. I hope we did. I, we say, I mean, we talked for so many friggin' hours on this podcast. I don't know everything I say, but I know I've said it somewhere that we probably didn't need to judge defenses until after midseason because of just because of the offseason and all the all of 2020. And I think we're starting to see that in some cases where defenses like the Saints, maybe the Seahawks, maybe the Bills. Or yeah, sorry. more Seahawks than Bills, I think. Well, I, the Saints defense is on a roll. They've only given up uh, – points per game over the past three weeks. That's literally the point. Yeah. You're the one that wasn't sure about the Saints being good. I wasn't. I just said the Packers exist. That's all. That doesn't mean the Saints aren't good. What did the Packers do on Sunday? They didn't play an NFC team, and we were talking about the best team in the NFC. Taysom Hill Hill was the quarterback for the Saints, and he won a football game. Yeah, that is true. You know what, though? You know who didn't have a catch in this game? Alvin Kamara. Yeah, I think that's the first time in his career. But but also it shows that, you know, I'm sure Kamara's like, God, I wish Drew Brees was playing when I had 10 catches and 15 targets, uh, you know, and, and Taysom Hill didn't feel forced to, you know, feed his running back. Some quarterbacks might do that making their first start. And he just played his own game. I mean, he threw in the two rushing touchdowns. Uh, I, Ryan, you said you thought he got better as the game went on. And I absolutely agree with that. I mean, the Saints, I think they can win two or three more games with Taysom Hill. Sean Payton now six and zero with his backup quarterbacks the last two years. I mean, he—I don't know if he gets a—I don't know if he gets the necessary credit he deserves for what a good coach he is. You're muted, Ryan. And uh, what'd you say? He is basically the Patrick Mahomes of coaching. Like we don't take him seriously because he's been so good for so long. That's—that's not—that's not a crazy idea. One Super Bowl each. And, By the way, when you're muted on Zoom and you start talking, Zoom says, "Hey, dummy, you're you're muted." Oh, did so, it? That's kind of cool. Like, good job, Zoom. Um, I would also say that. Sean Payton, epic level Twitter troll. Yeah, but I mean, you can you can ex- explain it now. So he tw- he retweeted uh, basically Roddy White was trash talking Taysom Hill, and he went and retweeted him, and that's like his top tweet. But then uh, Dov Kleiman had like pointed out a different tweet that I hadn't seen, and I, I or maybe I'd seen and forgotten about it. Some Falcons fan was talking smack to him, and was like. Why don't you go back, watch Netflix, and like hole up in your house? He was like, and he like listed some good shows, and the way he did it, it spelled out twenty eight to three, and then Houston. <laughs> so that's good. that's legitimately funny. That's that's great. Like clapping back at Roddy White. I don't know if that's worth it. I mean, it's so funny. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, how do you want your coach like tweeting all the time? Like, yes, you do. You yes, want him to yes. be uh, as I want arrogant, him dancing in the locker room, and, and awesome as possible. Yeah, yeah. I agree you want your that. coach to be Will Brinson is what you're saying. Sean, I think Sean Payton and I would be friends. Sean Payton might be better at Twitter than he is at coaching, and he's good at coaching. All right. I think Sean Payton and I could be drinking buddies, and it would. What would Sean Payton say to that? I think Sean Payton would agree. Hypothetically speaking, if I'd ever been drinking with Sean Payton, I think he would agree. Okay. Um. So, yeah, the Taysom Hill experiment, I, 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 I was with you. I thought they were going to go with Jameis. I thought they did, and Jameis didn't play. 
there was a report yeah, from they, they must seem fine with it. <laughs> well, there's a report from Ian Rappaport uh, before the games that Sean Payton wants to find out what he has in Taysom Hill. That actually makes a little bit of sense. Why? Yeah, but I mean, you're doing it when you're seven and two or whatever they were, six and two coming to this game. That's a huge risk. It's pretty. That's a little you think of your opponent. That's a little you think of the Atlanta Falcons. That's <laughs> pretty bad. Uh, does this game in any way damage the notion that Raheem Morris could land the Falcons job? That's something that you talk about. I I would be Locker looking for reported on Sunday. Yeah, well, you were talking about it weeks ago. I would be looking for something new and different and fresh. And that's I for mean, every retail hire. I agree. I think and it I think definitely hiring, doesn't help your case if you lose to a divisional rival who started a running back at quarterback. <laughs> tight end, technically. A tight end. Um Matt Ryan was awful. 19 of 37, 232, no touchdowns, two picks. I mean, they invest in the offensive line, it just they don't protect him. It's not working. It's, he got sacked eight times. Julio Jones, two catches, 39 yards. He was a little banged up in that as well. Oh, they kicked three field goals. That was the extent of their offense. That is a problem. Which made Breach happy and no one else. All in the first half. Their offense actually moved pretty well in the first half. I don't know what happened. I don't know if it's the Saints adjustments or the Falcons just gave up, but uh, they didn't do anything in the second half offensively. Know. All right, what's next? Titans 30, Ravens 24. Mm, mm, mm. Mm, mm, mm. What's shocking about this, and I, I guess I knew it because I was watching football all day, but I don't think I totally realized it. The Titans were down 21 to 10 in the third quarter, and the Ra- and they came back against the Ravens. That is the most concerning thing about this game of anything to me because that's what the Ravens don't – that's their whole thing is they don't let you come back. They put their foot on your throat, they, they squeeze you, and they, they finish you off, and – the Titans storm back on them. So I would ask you on a scale of one to ten, how worried are you? How worried are you about the a Lamar like Lamar Jackson and b the Ravens making the playoffs? I'm a seven and a half. What do you breach? Uh, I am with Lamar Jackson. I'm a six, and with the playoffs, I'm a six and a half. I'm a nine. Was- I'm a I'm a nine point nine. On my worrying about this Ravens to win the AFC North oh, bet yeah. I made right. in the couple weeks. They're right ago. now on the outside looking in with the playoffs. Breach mentioned the six and four teams when we were talking about the Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders are seventh, seventh seed currently. Then it's the Ravens and then the Dolphins. So Dolphins and, and Ravens are on the outside looking in right now. And a big issue, you talk about letting teams come back in. The other part of that is that the offense has been straight up doo-doo, and they're not helping the defense keep teams from coming back. And this is not anything original. The, the problem is that Derrick Henry might get off to a slow start, but no one wants to tackle him in the fourth quarter and especially overtime. And if you get to that point and it's close, you, you're going to lose because you're not tackling Derrick Henry. You don't feel like it. You don't want to break your forearm and your shin bones or whatever else it takes to tackle him. And we, we saw him, first of all, A.J. Brown pulled a Derrick Henry earlier in the game when he drugged 10 people into the end zone. And then Derrick Henry did the Derrick Henry in overtime to win it. And Lamar Jackson looks terrible. Like there's no other way to say it. Marquise Brown has not been very good. Lamar Jackson's missing open throws. And I don't know what the fix is if you're Roman, uh, if you're Greg Roman. Start running the triple option. By the way, uh, great stat, great stat from um, our, uh, our research team at CBS Sports. Derrick Henry from November to January since 2018, uh, like they bolded it. He loves this time of year. 19.7 carries per game, 113.3 rush yards per game, 5.8 yards per rush, and 26 rushing touchdowns in both the regular season and postseason. The Titans are, uh, I think, a scary team again, but 
on the Lamar front, why, you know, we, we complain that Sean Payton keeps trotting. It's like, why, why are you trying to make the, like as breach said, I stole this for Twitter. Why are you trying to make fetch happen? Like with Taysom Hill, like why are the Ravens trying to configure Lamar as this passing offense in this passing offense on the fly? Like what, now, is it a function that teams have sort of figured out the defensive things and uh, the the running game things and, and forced them to throw the ball? I don't. I think, don't know. No, because they ran the ball down the Patriots' throats early in that game. They ran the ball they down ran the all, all over the Steelers in the first half. They ran over the they destroyed the Steelers in the run game. They ran down the Chiefs' throats on the on that Monday night game on the first series, and they just abandoned it. I I think that you put this on Greg Roman, but I don't know if there's like an edict from Harbaugh or like. Eric Dacosta. The, the reality is that Lamar Jackson is not playing anywhere near the level he was a year ago. No. That's it, the other issue. So you can't trot out RG3 and expect to get Lamar Jackson 2019 results. He was, se- he was 17 to 29 for 186 yards, one touchdown and an interception. And the interception came in the third quarter when it, it kind of jump-started the Titans' comeback Yeah, because Baltimore was up 21 to 10, like you mentioned. And they took, that, a, they took a kill shot. Tennessee, right. Tennessee went down, kicked the field, cut at 21-13, and the Ravens' next possession, boom, picked by Lamar. Tennessee goes down, gets another field goal. Now it's 21-16. As Ryan said, once you get later in the game and it's closer and you have Derrick Henry on your team, you're probably going to win. So all you do is keep beating him. That's going to wear down the defense. That's going to keep the opposing offense off the field, and that's kind of the recipe for victory for the Titans. So it, it is feel like that this team is being dragged down. Lamar's kind of dragging them down because it feels like the coaching staff doesn't know what to do. And I don't know if you can blame Greg Roman or if you blame Lamar Jackson. I mean, the fact that we're two weeks, three weeks out from when Lamar said, we're too predictable on offense. I'm sure Greg Roman wanted to say, well, that's because uh, your skill set this year isn't as big as your skill set last year. So you kind of box me in on what we can call. So like they could have started this, you know, whole thing in the media, but obviously it didn't because Greg Roman's not going to say that about Lamar Jackson, but it just seems that, uh, you know, obviously Lamar's not playing as well as he did last year. Also worth noting, Clayus Campbell didn't play. Um, Brandon, Brandon Williams, Williams out. Play. So that that's a huge. I mean, they, they, I mean, if they don't have Brandon Williams, Clayus Campbell, and Ronnie Stanley, that's a. It's also, I mean, noteworthy. Yeah, but even before those guys went out, Lamar wasn't Lamar. You know what else is noteworthy? That we don't we don't say enough about the decision to take Hollywood Brown as the first wide receiver in an epic wide receiver class, and he hadn't been good. Yeah. He's and like a worse Miko Hardman. This has been the Ravens MO for 20 years. They draft wide receivers and they just can't seem to, they've drafted a bunch of kids this year as well. In later rounds, so they drafted miles Boykin in the second round last year. And, you know, when I talked to Vinny Serrato, who does radio now in, in Baltimore, the longtime Redskins, former Redskins. Oh, Redskins, put it yeah. in the jar, baby. GM, uh, who's a Notre Dame alum, he always says, up? "Have you just given up on the the, the RSK? Well, he actually was the Washington football team. This, the term, the term I use, he was their their general manager. Well, that's fine. You don't call the Titans the Oilers. Well, but Bum Phillips was the Oilers head coach. He wasn't the Titans coach. That's fair. Yeah, but I I, I didn't mean. Oh! That. <laughs> but my point is, here's what he says to me when I talk to him about because he knows I'm a Steelers summer. He goes, "We took the wrong one," and he means. Miles Boykin, as opposed to Chase Claypool, wide receivers from Notre Dame. And wait, imagine Chase Claypool. No, no, he's saying the Ravens took the wrong one. The Ravens. Chase Claypool is a rookie. Miles Boykin's second year. 
Yeah, but still, the, the Notre Dame connection. Oh, uh, uh, gotcha, gotcha. Sorry. sorry He's sorry. a Notre Dame guy, and yeah. Chase Claypool running nine routes on that, on that team would probably help a little more than Miles Boykin. That's my I mean, any point. one of the Steelers' wide receivers would be the number one wide receiver. Deontay yeah. Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster, Chase Claypool, maybe James Washington would be the number one wide receiver. Think about it this way. Des Bryant got four targets on Sunday. Five. Four catches. Des Bryant. Des Bryant. That's how bad. I mean, it's Mark Andrews is number one. Willie Sneed, you could argue, is the number two wide receiver in terms of targets. And then they got Des Bryant out there pretending to be Anquan Bolden and they're throwing him the ball as much as they can. I think I think that's a big factor. I mean, that's what Tennessee did to them last year in the playoffs is basically eliminate, like, all right, look, you ain't throwing to the tight ends. We ain't letting you get loose in the run. You know? Hunter Henry's, not Hunter Henry, uh, Hayden Hurst is gone, and then um, Nick Boyle got hurt. So they have one tight end, and they're a tight end-heavy team. And that tight end happens to be their their best one of their best players. That Hayden Hurst trade might have hurt them. Um, how what's the Titans ceiling? Uh, breach. I mean, I think the Titans can beat anyone, but they can also lose to anyone. I mean, we remember they beat the Bills forty two to sixteen. They stopped the Bills. Nobody's beaten the Bills like that. But then you know they, they lose ba- to. They barely beat Jacksonville. They lost to the Cincinnati Bengals. Right. I thought you wanted me to say Steelers, so I said no, Bengals. But, but but they did lose to both teams, and then you know they had a special teams disaster against the Colts. So, it, but losing the Bengals proves they can lose to anyone, and the team is so up and down that you look at the rest of their schedule, and I could see them winning out. I could see them going two and four over their final six games. Like that's how up and down they are. It's it's a really weird team to try and figure out. I will say this as a Steelers summer. And looking at the the current playoffs, I I wouldn't want to face the Colts and I wouldn't want to face the Titans. Who are, the, who would you rather play in the playoffs, the Ravens or the Titans? I think the Ravens because right now the Steelers have more confidence than the Ravens do, and I think the Ravens don't have an identity offensively. Obviously, Colts, those two I, those two teams play on on uh, Thanksgiving night. The, the Ravens then have the Cowboys, Browns, Jaguars, Giants, and Bengals. So I think they are getting in the playoffs. They're going to be favored in five of those six games. I mean, they should, not the Steelers. They game. should curb stomp. Just go back to running the football. Wait a second. So who's dropping out? Because the Ravens are currently outside looking in. I uh, well. So you have. Uh, I'll give you the. I'll tell you what. Let's take a break, and coming up, we'll tell you which AFC team won't make the playoffs. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
All right, so I don't know if we're actually going to tell you which AFC team won't make the playoffs, but we'll try. But you came back, suckers. <laughs> but you came back anyway. <laughs> uh, just kidding. The reason why I said that is because the next game we're going to talk about is, uh, by the way, I uh, should mention Derrick Henry, uh, third player in the last 30 years with two overtime touchdowns in a single season. Any chance you guys can name the other two? I'm guessing that's a no, hell no. Ryan might be oh, Wait, how many years? Last 30 years, two players. No, overtime. In a single season, two times. Ryan should be able to guess one. Uh, Steelers player. Heinz Ward. Jerome Bettis. Jerome Bettis. That's right. Oh, and one was receiving, oddly enough. That is uh, insane. The other was uh, Mike Brown for the Browns in 2001. Two interception returns for touchdowns. What? <laughs> That's insane. That's crazy. The owner did that? That's amazing. I know. Uh, so, anyway, the next game we're going to talk about. And the reason why we teased the AFC thing, the Broncos beat the Dolphins 20 to 13. Now, here's where I have to take a mature approach to the podcast. You guys probably didn't listen to the Picks podcast on Friday. But as you know, I've been catching some flack from Dolphins fans. Oh, boy. Here we go. I've deci- I decided on Friday. RJ called me on it. I was like, I started picking the Dolphins, picking the Dolphins. Love the Dolphins this week. You're the new Bears, Dolphins. You're in trouble now because I got my bad juju and I'm putting it on you and you lost. You benched your quarterback. Is this you being mature or not? I can't. Oh, no, no, not at all. Um, Obviously not mature. It's Sunday night at 1 (laughs) a.m. Drinking some. By the way, you want to. Why don't you explain what happened with Tua? Then I want to. You want to know what a really good bourbon, really good bourbon recommendation? My buddy Chip. Not Chip Patterson, but a different Chip. Uh, you know two people named Chip? I know, I actually know like four people named Chip. Of course you did. Yeah, Chip Campbell, That's Chip Patterson, right. Chip Hamner, and Chip Edwards. Well, are, go ahead with the recommendation. Let's get to it. You're wasting time. Is there a full name chocolate chip? Check out Woodenville <laughs> Bourbon. This is a special bottle, but go get Woodenville Bourbon at the, at the All right. store. Thank you. Um, Tua. Playing not very well for the Dolphins. And that's sort of been underlying throughout the last couple of weeks that he he had been getting them wins, but there were and and looked he looks the part. Like I don't I don't think he's gonna be bad or anything. But the Dolphins offensive line, maybe not great. And Vic Fangio was cooking up pressure on Tua. And it was a problem. And eventually, I don't know, I I don't think he was hurt, right? He was just benched for Ryan Fitzpatrick. So Scott Pioli and Brian McFadden talked about this. If you are injured, you have to report the injury. Like you can't not be injured and not tell anyone. And they so, didn't. No injury was reported. Right. Yeah. Now it looked like he might have gotten banged up, and I think that they. But yeah, they would. They could be uh, subject to a fine if that was the case. But I, I really do think it was. We're in the playoff hunt. This kid is overmatched. I'm going to pull Fitzpatrick and put in I, Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I'm going to pull two for Fitzpatrick. I don't know that I like it. So Flores, after the game, was asked, of course, and he said it was purely uh, performance-based okay. to yank him. So there was no confusion there. He said also that Tua will start next week. And, yeah, if you follow Breach on Twitter, you can see the picture where it looks like Tua may have gotten hurt. Um, here's what Brian McFadden said that I hadn't thought about, and it's a very good point. DMAC, of course, played for the Steelers, won two Super Bowls, played for the Cardinals as well. He said, yes. if I'm playing and some the quarterback comes out and he's not hurt, what what are we doing? Like, why isn't he in there? Why isn't he in there taking the lumps with the rest of the team as they're getting their ass kicked? Yeah. Like why? And well, that's and, uh, 
Go ahead, Breach. And along those lines, if you're saying you're benching your quarterback for performance-based issues and the other quarterback comes in and performs better than the other guy, like head and shoulders, this wasn't even close. Ryan Fitzpatrick played barely a quarter. He threw for 117 yards. Tua threw for 83 yards. So he passed Tua, who was on the field for three quarters. Tua couldn't do anything, and this really showed the limitations of what he can do as a rookie. He had no chance out there against the Broncos' defense. Fitzpatrick, been in the NFL forever, uh, Harvard degree, I don't know if you guys knew that, but he's out there like boom, 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 getting him up and down the field, almost pulling off this crazy comeback. And and I know this is crazy to say, but it, it feels like this team would be better and a better playoff contender this year with Fitzpatrick as their starter. Well, that I agree with. I I felt that way three weeks ago. I understand why they made the switch to Tua and I get all that, but I think BMAC is onto something. I hadn't thought about it because think about this way. First of all, Justin Herbert ain't coming out unless his, his legs broken. And Tyrod Taylor is healthy. He's capable of playing. And I understand. Okay. I don't want to, I want to pull him in and maybe let him reset his, his mind mentally and all that other stuff. But, to BMAC's point, you're not letting Xavier Howard come out of the game, and maybe he doesn't want to be out there, or, you know, Ted Karras, the center, the offensive line didn't play well. So it's sort of a, a weird dichotomy, and if he's supposed to be the leader, take your lumps, man. We were told, I mean, through reports, that the Dolphins benched Fitzpatrick for Tua. Was it coming off of a win? Did they, did they, did they, they were three and three, and, and at that point, Fitzpatrick was completing 70% of his passes. Yeah, and now there was some concerns that like, oh, because they beat the Rams, and they benched in. No, no, they, they beat the Rams beat, with Tua. Who did they beat? No, right. they, beat, they beat the 49ers 43-17. to Slaughtered the 49ers. Then they beat the Jets 24 to nothing, and then the bye week is where Fitzpatrick, so he was on a two-game winning streak when, they got, when he got benched. We were told through reports that the, Dolphins believed that they had a better chance of winning this year with Tua. And then you pull him out of this game. It doesn't make any sense. Like imagine Bill Belichick. And I'm only using that because that's where Brian, the the coaching tree that Brian Flores comes from. Tom Brady has a stinker in the middle of 2001. He goes back to Drew Bledsoe. I'm not. I'll I'll, I'll even add this after the game. um, When we did HQ, they, the, whoever was doing the sideline reporting for that game talked to Drew Locke. And after the game, Drew Locke, first of all, it wasn't clear Drew Locke was going to play because of rib injuries. He played, so he battled through that. His very first possession, he threw an interception. And he actually said after the game, I had to say to myself, basically quit sucking. You have to play better. There are people relying on you. I have to find a way to make this work out. And, and you know, he went on to say how well everyone played and offensive line and, and teammates, blah, blah, blah. Tua can't say that. Now, I'm sure Tua wanted to play, and I'm not saying Tua asked to come out. But, you know, he's a grown man. This ain't high school. And if Drew Locke's willing, and Drew Locke's played like crap this year, I would imagine he would tell you that. He actually played pretty well for parts of this game. He sucked it up. And I would imagine his teammates probably respect the fact that he did that. And again, I'm not saying that the Dolphins players hate to or don't think he's strong or all the other stuff. I'm just saying it's a weird look, and I didn't really think about it until BMAC sort of pointed it out. And don't you want to know if your rookie quarterback is capable of making a fourth quarter comeback? Like when you talk about preseason games, half the reason that starting quarterbacks play is so they can do a two minute drill. So they can play at the end of halves and, and kind of get used to that chemistry with the team and running the offense at a fast pace. Uh, don't you want to know if Tua can, he's only down 2010. It's a bit. Still it wasn't a like game. it's a 25 point like deficit. I mean, right. Like, exactly. 
And that would make sense. Like we don't want to get our quarterback hurt. It's 35 to 10. Okay. I get that. But when you are capable of coming back and you want to see if your rookie quarterback can lead this comeback, putting him on the bench is not the way to do it. I'm with you. It's very confusing. And I would be concerned if I were a Dolphins fan because so they're not going to make the playoffs, for instance. Yeah, I mean, I think is that, that's, what, is that what your ultimate point was? Yeah, I look. I think that the Dolphins are in a good spot. I mean, they appear to have now. So when the Bills got Sean McDermott, we early on said that this was a good coaching hire and we liked the idea. And then Sean McDermott did something stupid. Yeah, and he started Nathan Peterman against the Chargers, and sh- bleep McBleep McBlooper. Wouldn't let it go for three years. I, I I don't think, I don't know if this is the same thing, but it feels kind of similar. Like you lost the game anyway. You had a better chance to win, but are you, what are you doing? Are you playing for this year or are you playing for the future? What happens been- if next week Tua comes out and throws two interceptions and is, you know, 12 of 24 in the first half? Right. Do you, and, and they're trailing like 14 to three against the Jets. Because they play the Jets, and you can't lose to the Jets. You cannot be the Jets' first win. If they were pulling Tua out, like it makes you wonder: did somebody, like, did somebody call down to Brian Flores and say, "Hey, look, this kid's going to get hurt. Get him out of there." No, I don't think so. Who's calling down? I don't, man. I don't know. The Dolphins. Nick Saban. <laughs> Stephen Ross. Like, hey, that's my fifth. That's my fifth overall pick. My sixth overall pick. I, I just yeah, look. Maybe we're making too much of it, but it's just, no way. It's, no, it's weird. It's just weird. Pulling you two weeks ago, you make the decision to go to your rookie six overall pick who you tanked for for an entire year, allegedly. And you go to him on a winning streak and you dump Fitzpatrick who's been playing really well or playing pretty well. And then you pull him out and you bench him two weeks in. I mean, I saw some people were suggesting like, oh, Brian Flores don't take no guff. It's like, ah, I don't think that's the same thing as yo-yoing a rookie quarterback. I, I, it concerns me. Our buddy, Adam Beasley, who writes for the, the Miami Herald and covers the, the team, tweeted during the game and after the game that um, Vic Fangio outcoached Brian Flores. Oh, yeah. The defense was getting after Tua, which we've talked about. And um, the Dolphins' defense, when they don't get after the quarterback, which they struggle to do, are, are average. So all yeah. those things together get you a loss in Denver against a team that actually is playing better than the Broncos are, but you – Coming in, you would you, you, everyone I believe thought felt good about the, the Dolphins were favored on the road. And uh, can in you imagine if like Philip Rivers or Ryan Tannehill would have been benched today? Like both of those guys were quarterbacks of teams that were losing by double digits in the second half, and it would have been a total uproar if either one of those guys got benched. And it were you just can't bench your starting quarterback in this situation. It makes no sense. This, this, this move made no sense. You can't have a second half comeback on your resume if you aren't allowed to like play. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right, so moving along, that, that's, that is a situation to watch, though. Absolutely. Quickly, before we move on, Drew Locke threw, let's see, five different receivers, completed passes of at least 15 or more yards. Uh, Tim Patrick had two long receptions, including a 61-yarder and I think a 44-yarder. So Drew Locke did some things after he sort of shook, shook off the cobwebs, and I give him credit for, for battling back, which Tua didn't have a chance to do. Drew Locke has really – Highs are very high and the lows are very low. Yeah, that's right. He's, but he's, that 61-yarder came on the final play of the game. Oh, I was just looking well, at it, the stat line. Oh, yeah, it meant the... nothing. So, really, his stat line with three seconds left was 209 yards. Yeah, no. Texans 27, uh, Patriots 20. 
The dynasty might be dead, guys. The Patriots fall to four and six. And I will acknowledge that the playoff chatter was apparently premature. Oh, boy. There's another team I'm going to dunk on you about for that, too. We'll talk to you that later. Um, oh, you'll know it when it comes. Yeah, uh, I think my biggest takeaway in this game, oh, you'll just wait, is that Deshaun Watson is really, really good. Like, really good. Has Watson been playing better than we think? Well, I think we were just so jaded by Bill O'Brien, and then um, I can never remember the, the man's name, Easterby. Yeah. All the nonsense <laughs> that's going on there. JLC did report that it now looks like Romeo Cornell won't get the job next year. No disrespect to Romeo, but he's 72 or 73 or whatever. He doesn't need that job. You uh, do not hire interim coaches. And someone who's, you know, should be sitting on a porch and enjoying his grandkids or whatever. The Chiefs hired Romeo as an interim, and it was a disaster. Um, But, yeah, now Deshaun, I think, is really good, and the circumstances have to be decent for him to have success. But I don't think he was – I got to look. I don't think he was pressured a lot in this game. I think he was able to – have time to throw the ball and the throws he made that I saw were but Patriots have no pass rush, so he wasn't pressured. <laughs> yeah, so I clearly that that makes him a much better player. But he I was impressed with what I saw. Yep. This is a very good Deshaun Watson game. Uh 28 to 37, 344 and two touchdowns. He also ran the ball six times for 36 yards and a touchdown as well. I would love to see again, you know, go back to we talked about that Derek Carr thing. Like what ha- what would happen if you gave John Gruden three years with Deshaun Watson? They'd win Super Bowl. Right? Yeah. I don't know if Watson would be perfect in that scheme. I mean, but seven and three right now with Derek Carr, who you hate more than. No, I'm, I mean, like Derek Carr, I, all I'm saying is that like, I think that if you put, so if you put, if you gave, if you gave Andy Reid to Sean Watson, Deshaun Watson's going to be an MVP caliber player. Why not John Gruden? Well, I just think the way, I don't know if the scheme's perfect for him. He, he holds the ball. He's trying to, he's trying to make it extend plays a lot. Yeah, that's because he has no. I mean, imagine him throwing to Darren Waller, Henry Ruggs, Nelson Aguilar, who's now suddenly really good. Oh, he's got your boy, Will Fuller, there. <laughs> Will Fuller. Will that's Fuller, all. MVP, they got rid of Dre Hopkins. Will MVP Fuller. Um, no, look, this is, uh, this is a big win for the, for the Texans in the sense. Packers could have used uh, Will Fuller's six catches for 80 yards today. Get out of here. Uh, he, on. Oh, dunking oh. on the Packers. Uh, Demir Bird led the way for the uh, the Patriots. Six catches. Great hard. touchdown catch. He is literally half the size of Cam Newton. He is, if Cam's 6'5", he is whatever that is, 3.75. So the Patriots are, at best, going to be 10-6. and six. Oh, my God, stop. <laughs> uh, they probably won't win their next six games. They are... They do have a game against the Jets, so I can see them getting to five wins. But that's not even a walk. We saw what happened the last time they played them. They're currently 11th in the the MVP, in the uh, playoff race in the AFC. And they'll be favored in maybe two, three tops of their final six games. They've lost six times this year. The last time they lost six games in the season was 2009. Patriots have not lost more than seven games in a season since Bill Belichick's first year in New England. They've made the playoffs in 11 straight years. All of those things seem to be coming to and end. This is the Texans. Let me ask you this. Yes. It, it, I mean, I'm stuttering because I'm, I'm trying to try to formulate thoughts here. Could you make an argument that Mike Tomlin has done a better coaching job the last two years than Bill Belichick? Because he, he won with eight and eight with Doug right. Hodges. I'm not even talking about this year. I'm talking about last year. And if you said, well, I think hey, he might flip the years, right? Just over the last two years, to get the two years combined, 2019, 2020. And if you said to Tomlin in 2019, hey, we'll give you Cam Newton, 
instead of Mason Rudolph and Doug Hodges, I'm sure he'd have been like, you know what? We're, we're probably going to win 10 or 11 games. We'll be fine. I, well, to that, aside the fact that 2019 Cam would do any good in that, in that situation. Right, or give him the 2020 version of Cam in 2019 if you had a time machine. But my point is that you'd be like, oh, things will be okay, even though Roethlisberger can't hold his hand over his head. I don't even know if you need to make an argument. I think, think it's just a pretty undeniable fact. It's not something I thought about, and I'm sure a lot of people haven't really thought about it either. Just because. Well, then Belichick would say, you know what, Mike Tomlin, you haven't won a playoff game since 2016, bro. Whoa. Yeah, but I just said the last two years. Well, I know the last two years, but it's, you know. Got the uh, the Marvin Lewis fan club president over here talking smack about this. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> if Bill Belichick, you said, hey, Bill, you can. Bro. If Bill Belichick called Mike Tomlin, bro, there already be issues. Hey, bro, bro. <laughs> uh, would Bill Belichick, if if this was like, it is a vacuum, there's no judgment, there's no like, you have to deal with like any outside factors. Would Bill Belichick leave the New England and go to Houston? Be the head coach? Ugh, why? What are the outside factors that Sean would, Watson? That's why. Ugh, no, I don't know what the upside. All right, let me let me, flip, let, me let me change. The there's no draft picks and there's no salary right. cap. I guess I was asking who's in a better spot to be good again, the Texans Patriots. or the Patriots? Patriots. Okay. All right. Patriots have a Hall of Fame coach. They have a Hall of Fame offensive coordinator, and they have all the salary cap room in the world next year for 2021. Well, that was sort of my question is like the the way that the roster and the assets are built out, who would you rather be between the Patriots and the Texans? Yeah. Okay. I would rather have everyone have Steve Belichick's haircut and stay in New England than go to the Texans for $20 million more a year for whatever they're paying their haircut. Ryan, I'd love to see you with Steve Belichick's haircut. I love that haircut so much. That <laughs> is a, a wig. That is a, my dad is Bill Belichick. <laughs> and I'm in this job as long as I want. It would be amazing to see that. Uh, all right, let's move on from this game. That was an entertaining game, and yet so meaningless. How is a twenty? It's so weird that a twenty-seven twenty Texans over Patriots week eleven game is just utterly meaningless. That's and I. That's the thing is, if, in you, a nutshell. if we had seen this game in a vacuum, you would think, "Oh my God, the Texans are a playoff team." <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. Fair enough. Steelers 27, Jaguars. Trade. Jaguars. Jaguars. Sound up. Oh, Derek Carr, this post-game outfit. Um, Steelers 27, Jaguars 3. The Jacksonville Jaguars did not muster. The, the, the Steelers came out really slow. Flat. And it looked like they were going to put up one of those. I mean, people were making the jokes. Mike Tomlin on the road against a bad team. And, you know, in the late season, um, didn't look great. And then they just talent. It was, a, I mean, w watching this game, it was just Jimmy's and Joe's versus X's and O's. Like, it didn't matter what Doug Marone schemed up or what he thought about it. It was that the Steelers were just a much, much better team. And I tend to think that Jake Luton, who went 16 to 37 for 151 yards, no touchdowns and four interceptions, may be the Jaguars path to trying to catch the Jets. I think that's what they're doing. I think they're panicked and trying to catch the Jets, who are somehow worse than them. Jake Luton wasn't terrible, terrible. Like, he made some throws on that first drive, especially. They scored in that first drive and didn't score again, obviously. <laughs> um, where I was like, okay, I, I can sort of see why he's out there. I don't know if Gardner Minshew would have done much better. But yeah, he, there's, there's James, James Robinson's their best player. Yeah. Um, DJ Shark hasn't really 
limited expectations. Tyler Eifert had a big catch. Chris Conley had a drop. I mean, they, they made the mistakes that bad teams make time and time again. Um, they didn't touch Ben Roethlisberger. Um, and what I was going to say, I was distracted by Breach's little thing in Slack or whoever put that in there. That was mine. Sorry, I was making a note to Jacob. Uh, um, I, I was just say quickly, you're exactly right. The Steelers came out flat, and I was like, okay, here we go again. But this year, those they're winning those games. They're not – it's not 14 to 13. Uh, they almost lost to the Cowboys, but they've blown out the last two opponents in, in games where it could have been close. What do you think about the fact, Ryan, that this, like Ben Roethlisberger is now throwing just 40 times a game every week? Because he was not doing that early on. He did have Here's a great – he had one really nice deep ball, I think. Deontay Johnson, 16 targets. Whew. Here's here's what I mean. People are all hung up on the fact that the running game sucks, and uh, James Conner ran the ball a little more effectively. I think he had one long run, and then sort of lumped in with the other, with sort of two or three yarder per carry. But here's the thing: Roethlisberger gets the ball out in less than two seconds, and he gets a lot of balls bad at the line of scrimmage because they can't get home, so they're they're throwing their hands up. But it's basically an extension of the running game. So you have to sort of factor that in. Like, oh my god, they can't run the ball, and he's throwing the ball 40. 25 of those throws are within four feet of the line of scrimmage. And a lot of them are like quick screens to Deontay or Juju. Um, and then he throws two punt balls to, to chase Claypool and a couple swing passes to, or screen passes to James Connor. So I'm fine with it. If that's how they choose to, and we used to see uh, Brady do that at, at points in, in his time with New England where there should be long yes. handoffs. So I have no, I'm not concerned about the running game. Yeah. Uh, Breach. If the Steelers beat the Ravens this week, are they going to go 16-0? No. But you know what? It's crazy is that going 16-0, going 15-1 and would be huge because there's only one buy. You know, only the number one seed gets that playoff buy, so the top seed becomes all that more important. Uh, and let me ask you this quickly, Breach, because we were talking uh, I just about- remembered with the playoff team, you're going to dunk on me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> what, what would you be willing to bet is more likely to happen? Steelers 16-0 and or Jets don't win another game? Jets. Uh, Jets. By a I lot. think that's the Steelers, like 30. Okay, that's interesting. You're right. The Steelers, I think, have three toss-up games that could go either way. The Ravens, the Bills, and the Colts. And when you have six games left and three of them are toss-up games, that's a lot to have on your schedule. Whereas the Jets, look at their schedule, they have maybe one coin toss game. Uh, their schedule just screams 0-16. You know, if the Chargers don't charge her against you, then, yeah. then you're in trouble. But we'll get to that game. When we Ch- talk about Chase Claypool, seconds. the fourth wide receiver in NFL history to have 10-plus touchdowns in his first 10 career games, joining this illustrious list. Bill Groman, 1960, Harlan Hill, 1954, and Billy Houghton from 1952. Jeez, that is quite the list. The Steelers allowed season lows in points, yards, and passing yards, 133, and had a season-high four interceptions. Whew. Man, Jaguars are terrible. Jaguars, I mean, they, they, in the first half, they were not bad. Um, Luton threw an interception late in the first half as they were driving and, and Minka got it. But at the second half, it, they, that got batted up a little bit. Yeah. And it was just sailing through the air. And you're like, that's the game. Cause they were going to go down and sort of keep it close. And at that point, I think it was 13 three or maybe even 10 to three at that point. So they could have tied the game. Yeah. And uh, at that point, it sort of flipped it. That, this is this, they're not a good team. Jaguars are terrible. Jaguars are one of the two worst teams in football, and they're fighting with the Jets for Trevor Lawrence. Browns 22, Eagles 17. It's a quick recap of the Steelers. Yeah, I mean, there's not much to say. They the, play Jacksonville. 
Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask you, would, you, would you rather have Dak Prescott or Carson Wentz right now? And by right now, I mean... Right like injured Dak Prescott? <laughs> injured Dak Prescott, right. Would you rather have Andy Dalton or Carson Wentz? Uh, too soon. I didn't mean to do that. I did not mean to do that. Ouch. Um, Debo's not on the show tonight, so there's no Eagles recap, which is probably a good thing. Because the, yeah. the Eagles looked... Good. I mean, Carson Wentz looked awful. Carson Wentz is the... I can't believe I have to say this because I've been defending him all season. He's the worst quarterback in that division. Right now, for sure. He threw one of the worst pick sixes I've ever seen. And this is a game that the rain, it's a torrential downpour. It's a monsoon. It was worse than Joe Flacco's, but it was bad. <laughs> I mean, it was up there. It's up there. It, monsoon in Cleveland. No one can score points. And literally, the only touchdown for the first, what, first half of the game? Oh, yeah. Or, it was yeah, yeah. Taki Taki had the. And here's the thing I've said this before. I'm sure, like, he comes to the sidelines and Doug Peterson says, whatever you do, quit doing that and he goes back out there and he does the exact i don't understand what's going through his mind well i saw a um a clip that brian baldinger posted and baldy's i think does a bunch of film breakdowns with the eagles so he's like you know close to the team and all that he does he doesn't want twitter they're great he was like what is this play and he's just he's just raising no seriously what is what is this play it's basically was a read option with a bubble screen it was like an rpo right where Carson can either throw the ball to Jalen Rager in a bubble screen. He can hand it off to Miles Sanders, who runs up the gut, or he can take, you know, pull the ball and take off. And he pulled the ball, and there's like a safety who has dropped down almost to the line of scrimmage. Like it's very, very clear that the Browns are blitzing in this spot. And if he'd looked outside, he, you know, out to his out to his right, he had Jalen Rager with two blockers, who's probably gonna pick up five or six yards as a third and seven. They don't get it. He gets stuffed, and they have to punt the ball. I don't. I don't know if this is mental or what, but he he he's not there right now. Let me ask you this, Breach and/or Brinson: Who are you more concerned about in terms of rebounding from the regression, Carson Wentz or Lamar Jackson? Oh, Carson. Carson Wentz. Wentz. I feel like Carson Wentz is is getting to the point where he's just about to like. Uh, you know, in baseball, you get the yips and you start overthrowing the throw to first base. I, I feel like that's where we're getting with Chuck, Carson Chuck Knobloch. Wentz. Chuck Knobloch. Chuck Knobloch. Yeah, he's he's airmailing things. He's making bad throws. Mackie he's got, Sasser. He's got 18 turnovers this season, which is the most of any play, any quarterback in the NFL. So he's just giving the other team free possessions. He's, and, and he's regressed. He can't keep doing that. He's regressed below Jared Goff. No, he's regressed to the point where I feel quite comfortable saying I would rather have Daniel Jones. Oh, yeah. If if the Browns called the Eagles right now and said, hey, or the Eagles call the Browns, I guess it would be in this case. Eagles call the Browns right. Hey, man, you want Wentz for Baker? Who's doing that? Everybody's taking Baker. The Browns might do it. The Browns might do it? Like, I think that Baker Mayfield's basically game manager this season. And maybe it's like part to build his confidence or whatever. He hasn't thrown over 300 yards all year. He usually throws around 200 yards. He went 12 or 22. I mean, you know. I mean, Baker, not, you got to pay Baker. This I don't know what you do with Baker. Not this offseason, do you? It's the third year. Yeah. Just pick up his option and let him. Yeah. Maybe How you would Wentz do in the Browns offense? Hopefully better just because like, well, yeah, Jason, would do better. Jason Kelsey came out of the game. Lane Johnson came out of the game. So it's again, the, the rotating wall of guys. You don't know playing various positions on offense. 
But that's not Carson Wentz's cue to try to do more. It's his cue just to do whatever offensively. Get the ball out of your hands. Don't be back there dancing, throwing like the worst pick sixes anyone's ever seen. Yeah. I think that's sort of the problem with this combination. So the Frank Miles Ra- Sanders had a terrible uh, turnover too, down to the inside the five. Yeah. Um, Travis Fulgham isn't getting targeted now because some of the other guys are back. There are a bunch of things going wrong, but it, the face of the, all this is Carson. So not having Frank Reich as the offensive coordinator and the play caller is a big problem, I think. Or is Doug calling Doug Peterson calling plays when Frank was there? I, most people seem to agree who follow such things. I think Debo said this last week that Frank Reich had a lot to do with success yeah. in terms of yeah. Yeah. Maybe even the interpersonal. I just couldn't remember exactly who was calling the place. Uh, specifically. Well, just by watching the Colts on Sunday, I would say Frank Reich probably had a lot to do with it. <laughs> um, but I think one of the problems is that in Peterson's offense, a guy like Nick Foles is almost more valuable because he's this rhythm passer. You can sort of get and like Carson Wentz wants to be this playground type of player that just doesn't work with it. Doug Peterson hadn't been calling plays very well this year. They've been hurt. You know, they have a bunch of young and new wide receivers. I mean, don't forget last week we spent 10 minutes talking about why did Doug Peterson go for two in that situation when it didn't make sense to go for two. Now, having said all that, they're in first place. Not for, they ain't going there. They're, so we've talked about this. They have the advantage of having the tie. Every other team is the three and seven. They're three, six and one. So a tie is basically, I mean, that's a huge but I don't know if they're going to win another game and you have to get to six wins to win the, the, the last two games I think are, are like Cowboys and, and Washington football team so there are chances there but so I think their, their remaining games for the Eagles are Seahawks at home on Monday night they are five point oh. dogs Breach and I previewed that on the YouTube exclusive early uh, week 12 lines look ahead Packers on the road Saints at home Cardinals on the road Cowboys Washington so they the two wins that gets them to five. You have to get to six wins to win this division. So they need to steal one of those four games. Target. Show me how they're going to steal it based on what we've seen the last month. How do you? I don't know. How do you make? I'll bring that? out my old joke. It'll have to be like last Boy Scout, the first scene where they shoot people on the field as they're running for a touchdown. <laughs> That's their best chance to score. Shout out to Damon Williams. They are literally their next three games are the top three teams in the NFC. Like. They're not going to win a single one. I think that I think the Giants are the favorite. I don't know what the William Hill out there, but the wins over Wilson odds for the Giants. The Giants. What about why? I mean, Washington could do it. And that's uh, that's the other thing. This Thursday night game suddenly becomes a huge game between two crap burger teams, but it's for first place. The odds are Eagles are plus one fifty. No way. Dallas three to one. Giants plus three twenty five, and Washington three and a half to one. Like I, I like every. Every team except for the, the Eagles. Eagles. That's, like that, that's, that's, that's good depressing. Uh, do the Browns make the playoffs? Yeah. Mm. Like they're my least favorite six and three team or seven. What are they now? Seven and three. Seven, seven and three. three. They're going to get yes. smoked. The so seven and three teams are the Bills, the Colts, the Titans, the Browns. The Browns I are the, the Browns Giants. Getting, I think they're getting the 10 wins, and we've been saying 10 gets them in. They have the, I think they're 10 and six at worst. They have the Jaguars, Giants, and Jets left. They're getting to 10 wins. And then nine wins. Maybe they oh, steal, no, you're right. Sorry, my steal bad. one of those games from the Titans, Ravens, or Steelers, the other three. You just win one of those. I could I could actually see the Browns losing to the Giants. Because the Giants run defense is not terrible. And if the Browns can't run on you, you can give them trouble. And by the way, the Eagles played as bad as they did without Miles Garrett being out there. Yeah. So yeah. next who's next week's game? Jaguars? Jaguars. So they're they're gonna matter. they're gonna go nuts. 
Then and also, they play the Jets in Week 16. Just imagine an 0 and 14 Jets team going into Cleveland, a team that finished 0 and 16 a, a couple years ago. New York, all yes. of a sudden, that's that's the Jets Super Bowl. That's yeah, true. That, I would be very nervous out of the Browns. It's in it's in New York, but yes, um, Super Bowl for them. Adam Gates will show up in Cleveland, not knowing anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I guess the Browns make the playoffs, but I, I think they're the this. The current teams in the playoff, they're the least scary AFC playoff team. Yeah, I would. I look. I look forward to betting against Baker Mayfield and Andy Dalton in the playoffs this year. Thanks, Brinson. Yeah, that's a compliment. That you even think Andy's going to make it? All right, moving Let's along. Think. Cowboys thirty-one, Vikings twenty-eight. This is the game. And here we are. I was like, I was like, what team is he talking about? Then I was like, I plugged it in. I was like, oh uh, yeah, it's definitely the Vikings. By the way, uh, 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 just hold on, hold on. I said the Vikings would make the playoffs. Ryan. <laughs> I was trying to sell uh, Robert Arciera, the the producer, uh, on your theory, and he's like, "You can tell Brinson that I, that I said that that is idiotic." <laughs> and uh, my favorite part of Brinson saying the Vikings would make the playoffs is that their hopes and dreams were dashed <laughs> by none other than Andrew Gregory Dalton himself. It was a fantastic day for Andy Dalton fans around the country. There's still millions of us, uh, and to see Dalton go out there. It, it, okay, so the Cowboys were kind of perplexing when they turned it on because we all thought they were going to look decent. We're like, hey, this was a smart signing. They brought in this backup quarterback, and then they just went out and looked totally incompetent uh, against the Cardinals in that Monday night game. I think it was like 38 to 10. It was just horrible, right? And then he gets injured against Washington, and all of a sudden the next two games against the Eagles and Steelers, the Cowboys got creative. Mike McCarthy got creative, and it was like, where was that with Andy Dalton? You had a competent quarterback. If you would have shown that creativity with the offense, you could have done something. You could move the ball. Maybe you don't win games, but you actually, it looks like you're game planning around the talent you have. Uh, whereas it looks like they're running the Dak Prescott playbook for the first two games that Dalton was in there. And so now he had the bye week where McCarthy sat back. And he's like, God, I am the worst coach in the NFL right now. I need to get something figured out. And that was this game right here. I mean, I thought this was exactly, if you're the Cowboys, this entire game plan was exactly how you want to see things play out you don't ask Andy Dalton to do too much but he came through with what they need through three touchdown passes over 200 yards you give the ball to Ezekiel you feed Zeke he went over 100 yards and the defense even though it's been horrible made just enough plays uh to pull out this win I thought this was a surprising win but watching the Cowboys beat the Vikings makes me think an inkling of hope that maybe they can win the NFC East yeah of course they can three and seven yeah you can win it um Here's the crazy part. Oh boy! No, I'm gonna make another case for how the Vikings are gonna sneak into the playoffs. No, no, no. I mean, like I'm, <laughs> I'm saying that Kirk Cousins went 22 of 30 for 314 yards and three touchdowns. Adam Thielen eight catches, 123 yards and two scores. Dalvin Cook 27 carries, 115 yards and a touchdown, and they lost. If you had told me those were the stats coming into this game, I'll tell you they beat the they beat the the Cowboys uh, 35 to 10. That's crazy. How yeah. did they lose with those numbers? Defense. I mean, obviously. CeeDee Lamb played really well. He had a fantastic catch in the end zone. Um, that one-handed grab. The, what was, which one-handed grab was better, CeeDee Lamb's or Adam Thielen's? I think I'd go with Thielen. Yeah, Thielen's yeah, was awesome. I think, I think so, too. Um, yeah, I mean, they gave yeah, up. They were gashed in the run game. Elliott had 21 carries for 103 yards. And Tony Pollard. a demoralizing five. loss for, for that, that team. 
they I mean, had they, to have that win. I mean, you do you do agree with the theory that like if they, I mean, yes, but that's the that's breaches theory. If you win every game, you're going to be better than when you were five weeks ago. I get that. True, <laughs> but I, I didn't have any faith in this team based on who was in front of them. That was my concern. I I just I mean that's a, that's a bad loss. You can't can't lose that game. Four and six now. They're probably toast when it comes to. They are 100 percent toast. Yeah. Like they are currently, I mean, here's the thing. The NFC is set. I feel like the, the, the playoffs, the, the only wild card is the NFC East representative. Everything else is set. I feel like, I don't think there's a team that's mm. currently on the yeah. outside looking in who. Yeah, that's probably right. Oh, I thought you were going to interrupt. No, me. I mean, Chicago five and five, Minnesota four and six, Detroit four and six, San Francisco four and six, Carolina four and seven are the teams immediately outside the playoffs in Arizona. And there's a, yeah, there's a, Unless Chicago can magically find something. Yeah, like a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, it's we're going to get three NFC West teams, one NFC East team, the Bucs. If you're a team outside the top seven, the only reason you have any hope is because, say the Rams lose to the Buccaneers tomorrow, now they're six and four. The Rams and Cardinals still have to play each other twice. Yeah. So even if they split, now both those teams are at five losses, and then they have to win the rest of their games to not have, you know, be 10 and six or nine and seven, so... Counterpoint: The other teams have to win some games, and there is Chicago, Minnesota, and Detroit, and those teams stink. And they're fought like a, the Vikings are four and six, the Bears are five and five, but no one really thinks. I mean, come on, can the Cowboys get the six wins? You have they, to get the six wins to win the division. Isn't they, it wild? I, I think the winner of Thanksgiving's game between Washington and Dallas is the first place. I think right? is yeah. that the winner of the division? Isn't they still get to play the Bengals quickly... without Burrow. They get to play the Giants. Eagles. I think the Cowboys have the easiest remaining schedule of the teams in the NFC East. Now you're giddy for an 80 dollar playoff, a home playoff. They game. only play one team above 500 the rest of the season. He's now now that two has been benched. He's dumping the Dolphins and he's back on the the, the Cowboys bandwagon. I was never off. Jerry Jones tricked you. Jones bought three thousand. <laughs> I told you I was off, but I was still on. <laughs> I am a double Cowboys agent. I know. Um. All right, that game. Vikings. We don't have to talk about the next game. Oh boy, the next game on the list doesn't even have a score by it. It just has a sad face. Washington twenty, Cincinnati nine, and before the game had even ended, Joe Burrow had tweeted out, "See you guys next." Before you could even enjoy one full season of Joe Burrow, your beloved Bengals managed to ruin him. They are the child that was gifted an incredible Christmas present, a little puppy dog. Oh, a no. beautiful puppy, and they snapped its leg halfway through Christmas morning. Yikes. How do they do that? Where do you have Christmas at, Brenton? My God. Puppies are getting their legs snapped. <laughs> I, kind of dark. I was going to go with like a toy and then he broke the toy and yeah, somehow got a puppy dog. Sorry. You know, I can I can literally count on one hand the number of times since I've been working at CBS that I felt like a, an emotion while watching the Bengals, like uh, in this case, a very sad emotion. And and this was one of them. It was just like, you're this is the future of the franchise and he's been getting beat up all season. But despite that, he still gets up. He's led them. He's looked good. That's what it comes down to. And all of a sudden, you just saw it. It reminded me, Ryan, and you may or may not agree with this, of the Carson Palmer play where 
you see the quarterback make this throw, but you kind of in the corner of your eye, you see that he got hit and kind of fell awkwardly, but eh, probably not serious. And all of a sudden he's just down and you know, he's in a lot of pain and you know, his season's over before they even brought the card there out. Was, there was no question that his season was over, but he's yeah. not, he's not a flopper. He's not Vlade Divac to, to date myself. He's not going to be rolling around in pain unless he's really hurt. So yeah, he's, he he's the reverse, right? He, by the way, how about Vladi Divas just chief and sigs in like every locker room? Um, he pops up and like makes a point to be like, I like that didn't bother me. I don't get bothered by that. And by the way, call back to the Dolphins conversation. If Joe Burrow's in Miami, he ain't coming out. Like he's going back on that field. Oh, he would have given the middle finger to Flores. Right. I don't know if I, I didn't do that on video. I almost did. Need to blur that out. You give him the read between the lines. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah line. Burrow wouldn't. Burrow would have popped the bird to his coach. That, yeah, I'm staying in. It's the fourth quarter. The game's on the line, guys. Sorry. Uh, but I will say that watching this game, it really showed how much Burrow meant to the team this year because what he did was that he kind of, uh, all the deficiencies in the defense, Burrow covered those up because the reason the Bengals are winning this game 9-7 to seven, uh, when Burrow went out is because they were moving the ball up and down the field. I'm not going to talk about Randy Bullock because that's another thing that makes me upset. I can't be double upset right now. Um, and, and so by being on the field the whole time, you know, the defense oh, isn't out there. That is the weak part. He missed. Oh, and he may have pulled a hamstring or a <laughs> muscle. Oh, and there man. is complete elation. <laughs> he missed yeah, so many misses, kicks. He? he missed so, oh so many kicks. <laughs> Before you go on, Breach, I have one question. Why does Randy Bullock wear a size triple extra small shirt? <laughs> Why ha- I can't believe Fat, fat Randy, Randy was, was trending on Twitter. <laughs> I didn't know it was like a national punchline to everyone in America. I guess ever since the, the cap. Oh my goodness. He shanked oh, two man. field goals, missed an extra point, and it's just like you check Twitter, it's like fat Randy is trending. His wife, his wife's like checking Twitter, see how her day is going. She's like, Fat oh, Randy, what's fat this? Randy. <laughs> oh my god, it's my husband. All right, I go mean, ahead. Sorry. Um I will I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a Tony Dungy here and say that there is I a, thought the same thing. Go ahead. There's a chance that this Joe Burrow injury, assuming that it is not that it is just something he can be back from in, in a single year. It's your garden variety ACL. If it's just your basic ACL. If there's if there's some some worse, you know, injury to his knee, and it's possible that that's the case. If that's the case, obviously all bets are off. There's a chance it's a blessing in disguise. Because the Bengals finished with a third worst record in football. They're, they will be behind the Jets and the Jaguars. The Jets and the Jaguars are going to take uh, the Wilson kid out of BYU, Justin Fields, and Trevor Lawrence, some combination of those two, those three guys. And that will mean that at number three, Panay Sewell, who Got is it. an absolute animal for Oregon. He opted out this year. His brother actually suffered an injury on, on, uh, on Saturday. Oh, he did? The linebacker? Hmm. Yeah, true freshman. But – if you put if that's what Joe Burrow needs, like this game hit home that Joe Burrow more than anything needs some protection from the Bengals, or the Bengals need to provide Joe Burrow some protection, I guess if you want to phrase it differently. So breach afterwards, Zach Thomas, Zach Thomas, Zach uh, Taylor said that he didn't want to blame the offensive line, and he said it sounds like people haven't been watching the last four or five games where the offensive lines actually played a little better. And the uh, play in question, the ball was actually out. A burrow's hand and he, he got hit sort of low no he got a and, high it was a high low and it was just sort of unlucky so uh what do you think about that number one and number two how many offensive linemen should this should the uh, Bengals draft with their you know every draft pick next, next i mean the answer to the second question that you should use every single pick 
on the offense. Don't even legitimately how many should they take? If, if the second round pick doesn't pan out, then you have this fourth round pick. If the first round pick isn't as good as you think he's going to be, then you have the third round pick. Just use all your picks on offensive. How many would you? If Joe Burrow has more than three seconds to throw, he's going to tear apart anyone. But he has like one point one seconds to throw, and even when he gets the ball off, like he did against Washington, he still gets injured because these guys are getting in in a half a second. It's insane. Uh, so are you seriously saying like draft five offensive linemen? I am seriously saying that if you have seven picks, one pick per round, <laughs> draft five. Five sounds like a good number because maybe you have a couple other holes you should try and fill. Like right. the Panthers did. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'm trying to look at the um, – where's the uh, average time to throw? On, I'll find this. I don't know. I think it but just so you know, uh, Burrow going into this game had been sacked 32 times on the season. I don't think he was sacked in the game. Uh, that was third most in the NFL behind only Russell Wilson, who just does his own thing and takes sacks, you know, but he's so awesome. And Carson Wentz. So that's it. You're comparing, you're getting Carson Wentz and Russell Wilson level protection. So uh, as the ACLA expert, if he's out seven, eight, nine months, that puts him, you know, into the summertime sometime, I think. I'm not doing the math. I don't feel like it. Uh, you any concern with June him? is seven months. What'd you say? June would be seven months. Yeah, that's the that's the the best case. If you're going to tear your ACL as a quarterback on a bad team in your rookie year, you want to do it before December. And I think also to follow up on what you're saying earlier with your Tony Dungeon point, I know he wants to be out there, and I know he's losing some of the experience of the next six weeks, but he is not taking a beating every single Sunday now. He can get healthy and maybe get better from watching. I mean. Because ACLs are no longer a thing. He'll yeah. be fine. I mean, Amy Trask, our friend of the program, had said on Tops a few weeks ago that that other pregame show on, on CBS Sports Network that, like, and this is kind of crazy. I, I didn't agree with it, but I, I understand where she's coming from with the logic that the Bengals should think about not playing Joe Burrow because each week was this new adventure and possible injury. And yeah, I do. Not, th- I wouldn't go that far. No, I, I agree. But I mean, like, I, I don't, I mean, she obviously, she wasn't totally wrong um because he's now yeah but this is football this ain't table tennis i'm I'm with you 100 i again i didn't agree with the take but i understood where she was going with it my other thing is that like and i I tweeted like 20 minutes before burrow got injured that he has some like carson wentz style you jinxed him is what you did no no he 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 is so tough you want to see your boy ryan finley in there I let go. I didn't watch that part. Not good. QBU. QBU. <laughs> Not good. You're gonna see Not a lot good. of Ryan Finley all all season long. <laughs> I'm not gonna watch any Bengals games this season. I'm, I'm done. just saying no, that, like, no that. I'm on the Cowboys, man. Burrow is so dead set on trying to make plays happen. There's a yeah, there's a Carson yeah. Wentz Carson Wentz factor there where. He's not. He he is so tough and so aggressive that he's not going to give up on the play, and as a result, he takes a lot of hits. Yeah, I mean, right. He's young. He's trying to figure it out, and then he has no offensive line. So it's a confluence of events that leads to him taking a ton of hits. Yeah, and I'm sure he was probably banged up more than he let on, and he'll have a chance to to sort of you know get healthy. Ryan Finley averaged three yards for, uh, per attempt. By the way, I mean you you can bang on Ryan Finley all you want. It's not like he like it's not a good situation. He is he is 65 years old, so it's not a good situation back there anyway. I mean. They can't run the ball. Samaje P. Ryan's their leading rusher. Mixon's on IR. You know, A.J. Green caught a touchdown. Thanks for showing up, A.J. T. Higgins like, had 10 okay. targets, three catches. 
this team was felt spicy because they had Joe Burrow. And now this team is a disaster. The second worst part, obviously the worst part is the injury. They asked Alex Smith after the game what he thought about the injury. God, why? I, I mean, I think that's a fair question because he's coming off that serious I leg know. injury and it was his first win in more than a thousand days. Oh, really? Alex, what'd you think seeing another man's leg collapse on, underneath him? How do you feel if you're Alex Smith and now you're the authority? Like after Dak got injured, it, it wasn't even the same game and people were asking him about it. He's like, or guys, I'm injured. guys. He's like, other people have hurt their legs. But like, uh, guys, I'm not actually a doctor. I just got injured. To breach his point, this this uh, Thanksgiving Day matchup now becomes it's huge of the utmost importance for two truly terrible teams. I would bet on if people didn't watch a YouTube show and are listening to this instead. I would bet on Washington plus three. <laughs> I uh, would not. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think so. Do you want a fun Thanksgiving fact, or do you not want a fun Thanksgiving sure, fact? Turkey. Is this a, against a spread number for favorites over the last 10 years? Uh, over the past four years, favorite teams are 11 and one straight up. Mm. Well, let's see. Let's see what the line closes at, because I think Washington might be favored by the time the line closes. You think they're going to pull three points? Favored? It's in Dallas, right? Who, who cares? Andy Dalton cares. Andy Dalton cares about pressure. It's a revenge game. Andy Dalton's going to throw seven touchdown passes against I Washington. I don't think that's going to happen. Okay. I will tell you that Washington only put up 20 points on a bad Bengals defense. So, And they were losing until Burrow came out. Until Burrow came out. So, I mean, they, they are not well, a good team. Well, unfortunately, they do have the Cowboys this week, so that'll probably change. <laughs> All right. Uh, Lions, Panthers. Oi, yeah. they. This may <laughs> have been... This Matt is a per- low point in a low How did it's like certainly didn't expect to get to week 11 in 2020 and have it be the low point in Matt Patricia's tenure as Lions head coach. But I don't even this do is I, like I, when I, you see like he lost. Clip. He didn't score any points. This is like when you see a clip of a car going off a cliff and it hits like every branch and you're like, oh my God, they're, they're dead. <laughs> and they roll over and then, it and then they catch on fire. <laughs> And they and they get to the bottom. And you're like, okay, that's the low point. No, a boulder falls out of the sky and hits them. That's what happened today. <laughs> that's that's pretty spot on. Oh my gosh! Matthew Stafford, eighteen of thirty three for one hundred seventy eight yards. Adrian Peterson led the team in rushing with seven carries for eighteen yards. PJ Walker was starting for the Panthers, and he carved. I mean, he didn't he looked great? He had the one bad interception. Um, I think in the end zone. He, but, he had a lot of energy out there. He wasn't as bad yeah. as people thought. Uh, Mike Davis, 19 carries, 64 yards, and a touchdown. DJ Moore had a big game, seven carries. Oh, seven catches, 127 yards. He also attempted a pass and had one carry for 21 yards. Curtis Samuel, eight catches, 70 yards, and a touchdown. They just spread it around. Joe Brady's offense is great. It You have to be excited if you're a Panthers fan. that They, they, hired, they had lost five in a row, I think, coming into this yep. game. But you still got the sense that okay, they're all on this in this together, and never. By, worth pointing out uh, when I. I mean, the Panthers are just miles better than the Lions, right? Yes, they're young and they're eager to make their coach happy. It seems like, and the coach seems to have a good relationship. Uh, I was driving to to Connecticut this weekend, and I listened to um, part of uh, Daniel Jeremiah's and Bucky Brooks' podcast. What's it called? Nice. Uh, Move the sticks. Move the sticks. And they had Dan Orlovsky on, and they were asking him about one of his favorite coaches, his favorite coach in the NFL, he said was Jim Caldwell because Jim Caldwell was really good at relating to players. And we've heard stories about how Matt Patricia sometimes struggles with that based on what players have said at the end of seasons. And I think that's a huge part of it. 
maybe Matt Patricia is much better at, at X's and O's. He's a defensive guy, cobbled offensive guy. I don't know, but I think a, a, and Matt Rule seems to get this pretty easy. Matt Patricia is a defensive guy, and he couldn't stop an XFL quarterback. That's that's right, and his players reportedly aren't crazy about him. Whereas, I think a big part of being the head coach is, you know, being like a a, a middle a middle school teacher where you have to get the kids all to to do everything that you want to do and find a way to do it, and everyone's happy. You guys are gonna love this. Only two coaches have been shut out this year: Matt Patricia and Adam hey, wait, wait, Gase. Wait. Oh, I was trying to guess the other one. I I, I would have done that. <laughs> oh, I gave it away. It's Adam Gase. Who <laughs> shut them out? What a list to be on. Who shut the out the Jets? Uh, I think the they lost twenty four nothing. Was it Dolphins? I think it was Dolphins. Yeah, it was the Dolphins. Wow. Um, wow. does Matt Patricia get fired before the season's over? I mean, what's the rush? Ah. <laughs> uh, like who? Are you, who are you I bringing in? Like, you can't fire him before the Thanksgiving this week because you can't fire him before Thanksgiving. You got three days. And you, you can't fire you gotta, him on Thanksgiving. That would be the worst Thanksgiving day. What? Ever. Yeah, you fire him the day after on Friday. Who do they play? They play the Texans. It's Black Friday. That's uh, yeah. It's like Black Didn't Monday. Something it's with Black Lane Friday. Kiffin happen on Black Friday. So the oh, Raiders. No. Uh, I feel like there's the always Texans. NFL news that drops on like that. I feel like we're always like I'm I, like for like years I've been like in a car. With my parents, like banging out an article on a hotspot. What's that? You're taking laps around North Carolina on that. No, no, no. Back in back when I was with a father. Oh, like now I'm driving and I'm listening to a podcast. I'm like, just leave me alone. But I'm saying, like, I always remember like banging out articles in the car with my parents, like in the back, like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, you know, and Dama can sue, fine, fifteen grand or something. Oh, that's right, because that's when he kicked Aaron Rodgers in the nuts. No, he he remember he stomped on uh, somebody's face. Something on Aaron Rodgers, and then he kicked another Packers. TJ Lang, maybe? Somebody in the old. There were multiple incidents on Thanksgiving. That's right. Um, But anyway, I don't think you've, I don't know if there's a rush to fire Matt. Why? Like, I think, I think if it's, I think that for the Lions, and remember our our girl Stoney, uh, Martha Ford, stepped down from her primary position as like chairman and CEO or whatever it was. And now her, granddaughter is in charge i think so her daughter or her yeah her daughter yeah so that's a little weird in the sense that um you know like or is that like is that your first move because uh, but i guess i think you're also gonna have to fire bob quinn and matt patricia i don't think it's a all right bob go find somebody else it's like nah you you can jim Caldwell after a nine-win season and hired this astronaut engineer (laughs) who can't who just got skull bleeped in by the Panthers. every conceivable way? This is a much worse off franchise than they were. Yes, he just I don't got know one one area that they're better in. It's almost like Patricia was signing a torpedo franchise so they could eventually get a number one pick because he thought he was going to be there for fifteen years. Like this is insanity! How horrible they've been. Yeah, it's bad. A ladybug has just showed up in my office. That's a good, sign. good luck. The, the, well, the lion should change your name to the ladybugs. <laughs> oh, he's flying around now. That's crazy. Um, I might light on my hat here in a minute. Uh, oh, this is weird. They're harmless. Just don't eat. No, them. I love ladybugs. They're great. Uh, Peppy lands on me. It's good luck. I need some. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what to do. Um, uh, I do think that he's on the computer. I do think that the Panthers. I think I, I just I, I think if you're the Panthers, each game has provided more and more reason for optimism about the future of franchise. Whereas if you're the Lions, each game has provided more and more pessimism about the future of your franchise. And the Panthers did this with no Teddy B and with no Christian McCaffrey. Right. And if you take if 
you take out Kenny Galladay from the Lions, apparently their offense is non-functional. DeAndre Swift wasn't out there. You burned two second-round picks on running backs from the SEC in the last two years. Matthew Stafford is, you were basically setting his whole career on fire with two playoff appearances. I mean, it's just, you know, wh- where do you go if you're the Lions? Like, why, do you, why, do you, why would you feel good about the future of your franchise if you're the Lions? You can't. I don't think they do. Yeah, they definitely don't. That's, that's probably for what As a matter of fact, at Thanksgiving, people should be thankful that they are not Lions fans. That, what you should that, be thankful for if you are a Lions fan. The Thanksgiving football kind of stinks. That your team always plays the early game, so you get it out of the way. That's Lions, true. Texans, followed by... The, I'm telling you that Dallas game is going to be awesome. There's a chance Lions Texans is fun. Deshaun Watson on CBS. If we get Galladay back, Brenton. Yeah, I know it's on CBS. Thanks, Rich. <laughs> Tony Romo, Jim right. Nance. Enough with this game. What else we got? Jets Chargers last game. Flying right through. Well, we're not flying right through. Long hour and a half right now. Jets and the Chargers. The Chargers. I don't know why I suddenly veered off course. But anyway, the Jets did cover. What am I talking about? Yeah, but the Chargers were up 31-13. Before that, they were up 21-6, I think. Not great. And they pulled the Chargers. The only difference was that they were playing the Jets, and the Jets can't overcome. Yeah. The Jets scored three, uh, two fourth-quarter touchdowns. Oh, no, sorry. A safety, a touchdown from Chris Herndon, who showed up out of nowhere, and had a, a Frank or a two. They had uh, three touchdowns in the second half to kind of close it back up. But Justin Herbert was awesome again. 37-49. to 49. Hello. 366 yards, three touchdowns. Keenan Allen, 16 catches, 145 yards and a score. Mike Williams, four catches, 72 yards and a score. Hunter Henry also got a touchdown. Denzel Mims was pretty good for the Jets. Joe Flacco completed 50%, 50% of his passes for 205 yards. And Frank Gore, despite rumors to the contrary, was still the lead back for the Jets. Uh, the Chargers, 3-7 and seven now. The Jets, 0-10. Oh if the Chargers were in the NFC East, they would be minus like five hundred <laughs> to win right? the division. Yeah. Well, the Chargers were the NFC East, they'd probably be like five and five or six and four. Well, their losses are to good teams usually. Yeah, that, but I mean, they've lost so many one-score games in a row. But uh, again, I'll do it anyway, uh, as I usually do. Sorry, Justin Herbert, you're the best. That haircut sucks, but you're 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 the best. Boy, it's just not trending in my direction. The think. Jets are three and one against the spread in their last four games. Did you know that's that? Something. Fun Maybe fact. Adam Gase should use that as an argument not to get fired. Like that's they're, they're inching towards that first win. That's what if that's like happen. like they announce a contract extension? They're like Adam Gase. <laughs> <laughs> it's like with three and one against the spread in the month of November. Well, the crazy thing is the uh, the Browns went one and fifteen. I think their only win that year was against the Chargers. Like the Chargers are the one team you want to face Christmas Eve because they all, yeah, 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 yeah. The, the Christmas Eve win. So you always go full chargers. And I'm sure the jets, Adam Gates is probably showing them film. Like guys, I'm not, I know I don't usually coach you any weeks, but I'm definitely not coaching you this week. We're just going to let the chargers beat themselves. Cause that always happens. And that almost happened. Literally the first possession of the game, the jets blocked a chargers punt. And it was just like, Oh my God, the jets might win this game. Cause they're making these ridiculous plays. The chargers are doing chargers thing. And then, you know, the, the, the Chargers go up 31-13. Everyone stops paying attention to this game. And then all of a sudden, Joe Flacco and the Jets have the ball at the Chargers 32-yard line, and it's 34-26, to and there's two and a half minutes left. And it was like, oh, my God, the Jets score here. They're going to tie this game up. Uh, but then they didn't because they're the Jets. So, yeah, And you skipped over the part where Joe Flacco threw a perfect 50-yard bomb to Brashad Perryman 
that, I mean, it looked like Russell Wilson throwing the ball to DK Metcalf. And, and for flashes, there's also reports, like they couldn't figure out in the telecast whether Adam Gase had taken over play calling duties or, from Dahl Loggins, <laughs> which is like the most Adam Gase. Oh, we're winning. Give me the sheet. Just give me the sheet. Well, you heard what you heard what's, what he said afterwards, right? What'd he say? He said, so he's like, no, 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 no. Dahl, by the way, Dahl, Dahl Loggins. Um, Dahl is calling the plays, but he calls the plays and then gives them to Gase. And then Gase then relays them to the quarterback. So that way, if Gase wants to overrule it, he can do that. That's annoying. Dude, you're right. You haven't won a game. Yeah, you're 0 and 10. You're like, ah, you know, we need more me. <laughs> more like, more layers of complexity. Yeah. Let's let's have a mid, let's have you be a middleman while you're trying to manage the game. He's literally a middleman. <laughs> I mean, it's insane. Remember when Prisco called him the next Belichick? Yeah, you bring it up every week. Every week I have to apologize for Justin Herbert. We should have Pete on every week to talk to read off that little passage he wrote. Oh boy. The Justin Herbert. It's always thing. fun to bring up though. This Justin Herbert thing is backfiring in my face pretty badly. And yours. Everyone. There's not one person out there that thought Justin Herbert based on what he just didn't do this in Oregon and he's great. I'm gonna say this every week as well. If Trevor Lawrence plays like Justin Herbert as a rookie, that will be a slam dunk. Great season for the Jets. Um, Herbert is now a Burrow done. Herbert's runaway steamroll offensive rookie of the year. Right. Yeah. And in fact, is um, there any? Would Justin Herbert be doing this with the Bengals? No. Uh, Breach. You might. Do, you might agree or disagree. But I think the offensive line is the big. Like if Burrow was playing in the, for the Chargers, he would be even better than he's been. I mean, the weapons are really like Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. I mean, or, or Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry? Or, yeah. Yeah. Are really good. I. It's weird because Anthony Lynn probably isn't a good coach, but they've managed to set things up in a way that Justin Herbert is flourishing and that you have to, I mean like that's coaching. Yeah. I don't know if he's not a good coach. He makes, like, bad, they lose a lot of close games. They, that that's true uh, without doubt. But I, I mean, I, he's not Matt Patricia, Adam Gase territory. No, no. Um, is there any way he loses his job if they go like four and 12? Uh, there's going to be some conversations. Four and twelve is possible if they can. Uh, uh, six they win and seven games like like that'll he. I mean, if they go six and ten, and they lost a one score game to the Bucks and Chiefs. I don't think he's getting fired. Yeah, I don't know. I have no conception of it. Six and ten means I have to get four and two. They could, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, they've been in these games. Yeah. They, they got to learn how to finish. Maybe this, maybe the Jets are the one to get them over the hump in terms of finishing. Uh, coming down, ooh, coming down the stretch, they have the Bills, Patriots, Falcons, Raiders, Broncos, and Chiefs. Yeah, there's three wins in there. Mm. They could give all those teams. Tr- I could see them winning any any one of those games except should have beaten the Chiefs the first time. But I mean, we could say that about every other team in that schedule too. I mean, you just should have lost the. The, the Broncos, that was a terrible loss. So their wins are... <laughs> Do you know what their three wins are? Uh, All the bad Jets. teams. The Jets, the Jaguars, and the Bengals. The three worst the teams. The three worst in the teams in football. The Chargers, were, yeah. But they, they lost by three to the Chargers. How did they lose to the Panthers? Crazy. They lost by seven to the Buccaneers, three to the Saints in overtime, Five to the Raiders. I mean, they they just one to the Broncos. Like they could easily be seven and three. Yeah. All right. All right. Brenton, the Charter, the Panthers loss was like the one loss where they got manhandled. I don't. And the Dolphins, they got manhandled by the Dolphins too. 
Yeah, they did get last time by the Dolphins. All right, let's not get stuck on this. Okay. Winners and losers. Wilson, we'll start with you. Who's your winner for the week? My wiener is going to be. They not want to say it in that fashion. Yeah, that's not a great accent. To it's not an adult entertainment. My wiener. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Drew Locke. That's the second week in a row you said wiener. By the way, I know, right? Uh, they won a huge game against the uh, uh, Miami Dolphins, and Drew Locke actually showed some moxie. Can I use that word? And um, he struggled at first at the interception, came back and, and played relatively well. Um, nothing earth-shattering, but outplayed uh, the other young quarterback on the other side of the field. And while at four and six, the Broncos are out of it, uh, I think it's at least an encouraging sign that, that Drew Locke is trending somewhat in the right direction. Okay. Breach. My winner is my winner. the NFC East. Ah. And you know what? Every team is horrible, but it doesn't matter because they all have a chance to get to the playoffs, even though they all only have three wins. And when your team is trash, four of them, but you still have this hope that, you know what, we can still make the playoffs. That is actually pretty cool. Uh, you know, Eagles, Giants, Cowboys, Washington fans probably aren't too proud of their team this year, but all four teams, one of those teams is going to the playoffs, guys. One of those teams. Uh, my winner is... Uh, Frank Reich slash Philip Rivers, Colts, basically. Nice Seven and three. They were down big to the Packers. And it felt like, because we'd already seen Tennessee beat Baltimore. So you know Tennessee's seven and three. You know that Cleveland has moved to seven and three. You know, you know that you're not going to catch more than likely Pittsburgh or Kansas City. Uh, Buffalo's on bye this week. Is that right? Yep, but they're seven and three, and it looked like Indy was going to go to six and four, and it's not like you're dead at six and four because you have the Titans coming up this week. But at six and four, I I really think that that win over the Packers is going to prove enormous for Indianapolis. It's a quality win over a really good team. You know, you were a barely favored. It's a coin flip game. Um, they got Jonathan Taylor who came in and really like showed us something like maybe he can be a, a factor down the stretch. The defense is legit. They can make adjustments. Um, Phillip rivers banged up. We'll have to see about that foot injury, but seven, it, the, you know, we talk about the NFC and how it's like, are these seven teams? There's drama in the East in the AFC. I mean, there's nine teams that can make the playoffs. And I, I don't think you can throw Denver, or new England in there anymore, no, but I'm just saying that, you know, you could, you can win nine games and not make the playoffs. And if you're six and four, you're the Chargers in six and four. Sort of panic a little bit, and that Tennessee game maybe becomes a must win. And now, I feel like you have a little bit of time to breathe. You go out there, try and beat the Titans, and uh, see what you can do. How about a loser, Wilson? Ravens. Good one. They're not six and four. They're no longer in the playoff mix at the playoff end of today. Dot dot dot. Lamar Jackson, I don't want to make of him. They've had injuries on defense. They have no one to throw the ball to outside of Mark Andrews. You're doing your Adam Gates impression watching the Ladybug. He's <laughs> going play. nuts. He's doing an Adam Gates. I'm like, but uh, yeah. So the Ravens, they 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 can make up for it quickly in thir on Thursday night in Pittsburgh. But if they lose that game, then the Steelers have clinched the the AFC North. So they have a lot of work to do and not much wiggle room. Uh, my loser is, of course. The Cincinnati Bengals. The franchise is cursed. And I don't care if you wanted to see Joe Burrow bench to keep him healthy. You don't want to see your star quarterback tear his ACL uh, and then have to wait seven months to see 
how he bounces back. So the Bengals, and I tear up. You definitely wouldn't take Justin Herbert over Joe Burrow if you did it again, right? Nah, I don't think I would. Okay, because I mean, if if you can put them on um, a team with a good offensive line, I'll take Joe Burrow. I like Justin Herbert though. Clearly, I have to apologize every time I mention his name. I mean, Burrow has been fantastic. Uh, my loser. So many losers that you could pick out from this slate. But uh, I think you got to go with the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, good. I'm glad you did that. I mean, you got the cow- you got a terrible Cowboys team in Dallas. They can't stop the run. They can't stop the pass. Go down there, score a bunch of points, beat them. You know, you move to five and five. You have the Jaguars and the Panthers coming up. You get to seven and five, and you're back in the playoff mix. And now you are four and six. And the only hope you have for making the playoffs is if Roger Goodell magically trans like uh, moves you to the NFC East. So you're banged. So the Vikings are my losers, and that is the show. Tidy little hour and fifty minute recap of Week Eleven. Thanks as always to listening. Be back uh, Monday morning for a preview of Monday Night Football. We'll recap Monday Night Football. Have shows all week long and then recap Thanksgiving. See you later. CBS Friday. TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. Used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.